Yo, it's the most dope show. It's about that time to get live. Take a break from your eight to five. The mother guys don't have the ability to rip it. We kick it. Three guys on representing with the most killer spirit. And we coming with the jokes. So you better grab a good pen and pad for your notes. And forget the mother folks, cause we got the best quotes. Randolph does more than just jokers. He woke and he got the files. Tell Andy Klein to turn up the dial. I don't know where that boy Tim is now. Raising the daughter, he hella proud. Andy is straight up and Randolph ain't here for racist. When Tim Miller hit that got funny as shit. The sock puppets always be there to assist. Too many to name, but they all of this shit. I guess I could try. Love me some Frankie French. Milner and Mike B. Be lit. I cannot forget about Petey and Chris. JL Covan with them Trump impressions. Riding Cameron coming from the black guy who tips. That's a whole damn nation, so they always near. Pop, pop, bang, bang. Getting green romaine. Three guys on sock puppet nation. Gang, gang. Yeah. Dominic, Puerto Rico, Suave. I know you thought I forgot about you, but I ain't gonna get about you, bro. Yeah, yeah. Puerto Rico, oh, Puerto Rico, Suave. Hey, what's happening, buddy? It's Randolph Terrence. I'm Andy Klein. Listen, we got two returning champions, special guests with us. So we're doing the the all-purpose four guys on today. Did I say all-purpose? The uh. Well, I want to all say encompassing. The, the formerly unheard of, but now we do it all the time with these Zoom casts. So we got the four, we got four guys on. It's all pickles today. So from across the pond, from across the pond, we have the return, one of our returning champs. We haven't seen him in a long time, but the ladies know him. They love him. The English Bay, give it to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what an honor to be back. Chris about, it's three years, probably three years since I've been on. Uh, we skyped you in like a year we ago. Skyped you in about a year. Oh ago. yeah, no, yeah, that's true. Just that to get your the rundown. Rated episode with. I yeah, think people. you had just got there to England. Yeah, the, that was I, don't know, I don't know if just you've been there for a minute. We were checking in with you. Sad times, happy times now. So yeah. it's going to be much more upbeat. There we go. And also, we have our, our uh, legal counsel, the original legal counsel <laughs> of the Three Guys On podcast, uh, uh, somebody who graced our podcast with his Trump imp- impression way before anybody else was down with it. We had it. The black guy with tips had it. We were the ones in this game, this, in this uh, Trump impression first. We were in this game with this man before anybody else. We saw the power, and now everybody else is on the bullshit. But we were there from the beginning, and now he's back with us, JL Hovan. <laughs> <laughs> Great to be back. It is, uh, but please call me by my stage name, Sarah Cooper. There we go. <laughs> we never had her on. We've never had her on the podcast. We haven't had her on the podcast. I don't. Does she talk? I've never heard her voice. She hosted Jimmy Kimmel last week. I didn't watch. Per my, uh, per some of the people working behind the scenes for me, that's the only time I will discuss this at all throughout the show. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I respect all forms of humor equally. Um, I think we're all great people, just trying to make the world a better place. Um, and, uh, yes, I bet my, my stand-up comedy balls, uh, they're trying to neuter them. That's apparently <laughs> how you have to get successful by denying everything you tried to do in your entire career. Once there's potentially money, not when you have money, but when now they, they threaten you with the potential of money. So shut up. <laughs> but I'm not bitter at all. I'm loving this journey. This is uh, I'm sure I see. You know, we it's, all it's, see it's it. So much joy. So much joy. Je- the word journey is always a sign of bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pick up management yet with this? 
Have you picked up people? <sighs> sort, sort of, but let's just put it this way. Um, I'm having some issues now and a lot will be determined in the next couple of weeks, but in five months, I've received exactly one email from a manager. That sh- I don't understand. I think I've been pre. I think I've been pre-canceled. Zero agents, one manager. I think I've been pre-canceled. You know how they pre-approve people for credit right. cards. I yeah. think my career was pre-canceled. <laughs> You're eligible to be canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they were like, oh well, we know JL is eventually going to get canceled. Yeah. Uh, why don't we just speed this process up and get you right, right in there? Why don't you just start your career with an apology, JL? <laughs> <laughs> Man, when I when I saw that she um, she had first of all she was on on the list of twenty ten is it ten comedians to the watch variety? Yep. Yeah. But I just jump okay. in for someone that doesn't know the backstory here. Oh, you don't know the backstory. So, oh, okay. and maybe some other listeners might not also. So maybe it would be good to educate me. Trust, trust, and trust and believe this before we come to you for the education. <laughs> Everybody who's listening right now knows, knows the story. The story. <laughs> Believe, <Okay>. that. <laughs> Believe that. I feel like because, a foreign exchange student. Because we've been very vocal about this. <laughs> but here's, I'll, I'll give a quick synopsis because I've gotten in trouble on other, and when I say trouble, we'll, I mean, we'll I mean, do it without putting I mean you in good it. trouble. I mean that John Lewis trouble. Yeah, every, time trouble? They, every time they're on TV saying John Lewis was a legend, I, I want to say it's actually pronounced Jean Louis. Um, <laughs> but. The basically, I, I would just because ha- I've had some very uh, intense defenders, and then all of a sudden, I'm getting the tweets going. Why are you dragging her? Here's the thing: I do a Trump impression. I've been doing it for six years. I went viral in March. Um, it has changed my career—a career that was basically on life support at best. Now it seems like I have a rejuvenated career. I'm making some money on some quarantine-approved methods, and. You know, a month after I did that, Sarah, the, the famous Sarah Cooper uh, did a, a lip sync video, which, you know, I thought I, I never I kept joking with people saying, I don't know how this is going to get derailed for me. I just know it is. And stupid me, I never saw TikTok lip sync videos being the thing that would then totally sort of eclipse the momentum I had. And even worse it became not just a thing of like, hey, she's doing a thing, good for her, people like her, she's very popular. Then my mentions, every time I post a video, get filled with, uh, you're stealing, uh, you're, you get your own idea. Now, the compliment is that my impression's so good that people think I'm lip syncing. But that doesn't help when they just leave and go, fuck him. Like, it only works if they realize they made an error and then sort of support what I'm doing. But instead what they do, well, who is they would say, do that though? Who right. They say, that? fuck you. Um, I've had the accusations, uh, if you want to call them that of being a white man stealing from a black woman, that's happened many times. Uh, at which point I say, well, I'm half black, but I get it. I look like Adam Sandler. So I don't make you feel good about supporting a person of color. You need to have that that fully authentic experience of being a white savior. And when you look at me, you're like, I just feel like he's a big Italian and I don't get the same progressive boner when I support his comedy. Um, And then it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's a very weird experience because you guys know me. I want this to be a platform that allows me, Hey, if I get 150,000 followers, if I can just get 20,000 of them to be stand up fans or interested in stand up, my job is done. And then I can get on those stages, build that fan base at what I want to do. 
But now it's like, now I get into these conversations like, my impression's amazing. And I'm like, I don't care. It's, it's among the tools I have as a comedian. But now I get asked about it a lot. I get added every day. And whether it's, you know, and then people go, hey, you seem to be harping on this a lot. And I'm like, you know who has not criticized me one fucking bit this whole time? Any stand-up comedians. Not one. Everybody else is people who've just discovered the internet or social media or black people and thinks <laughs> that, that I'm somehow attacking their dream of having like a black friend. And it's like, you need, you're both geniuses. And I, I'll say this here. I can never say this anywhere else. I don't take it as a compliment. And there's not a single fucking artist in history who's ever been required to take as a compliment. You're just as good as the person lip syncing. <laughs> there is not a singer alive that would go, or a guitar. Hey, Slash, uh, my friend just won an air guitar competition. You guys are practically the same. He would bash you over the head with a fucking bottle. Like, and people would go, amen. But in this case, in this case, because everybody's discovered their new queen, and yes, this is why, a bunch this of- This is why I asked Jail to come on this week. This is why. <laughs> and this is me being restrained. I wanted to bring this to the Three Guys All podcast just so we could get it here for first for you. No, it's because there is no... Res- this, this stems from my... D- and, Everybody knows I have criticized stand-up comics not for content. We knew this was coming when we were waiting all day. <laughs> I have criticized stand-up comics not for I content. Asked on Thursday and I've been doing but whether I think they're good or not, or if I think they're decent people. But I never police comedy content. I never police it. But in this case, it is so bothersome to be like judged with the opinions of people who barely understand comedy, basically have no fucking appreciation or or investment in comedy and just to be told you're just as good or why can't you chill why can't i chill i've been working at this 17 years and i have people questioning my blackness my fucking (laughs) uh my my credentials my originality (laughs) and i'm supposed to sit there and eat shit because hey just roll with the punches i'm not a fucking actor (laughs) actors can roll with the punches that's what they do they're fakes for a living I became a comedian because I wanted to say my shit in an environment that used to be about it's unfiltered better, truth and humor. I hope you're loving this. <laughs> and now it's, it's become this thing where I'm playing this acting game and it's like, I don't even want to do this. I want to be working in stand-up clubs. Let her become fucking Oprah too for all I care. Did he freeze? Oh. Oh, it froze? Did you freeze or did no, I freeze? you froze. I, you froze? Jail didn't freeze. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You can't Great. freeze this heat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to jump in at this point and say, uh, JL did not ask me to ask that question. <laughs> in no way being paid by JL to give him this platform. It was a great I'm setup. I'm interested in what commi- I will, I, when I'm done with this, because there are no, two types of people. you go all the people, way, baby. Go all the there way. There are two types of people who will hear this. There will be people who hear me criticizing her. I haven't said a fucking word criticizing her. My wife her. so she can hear this. Just to be clear, I have not said one word criticizing her. She's been trying at comedy for a while, too. I respect the both good fortune and the work to become successful. I will always respect that, and I won't criticize somebody's comedy choices as being above or beneath anything. But it's the attacks on me for being like, that I'm getting lectured on comedy and being told X, Y, and Z, and all I'm doing is, 
is like it's so bizarre it's so bizarre and i want to be done with it so i can just be a stand up comedian because those are the people who understand both my sorry to use the kind of the, the shitty word journey but those are the ones <laughs> who understand how far i've had to come how close i've been to quitting and that i just don't want to be it's like and i'm being attacked completely falsely that's what also makes it and by the way the one thing I will say is one person could clear this up yeah, and there has been what? deafening publicity-driven silence. She's never spoken, has she, on this? Is she, sorry, for my ignorance, is she just a TikTok comedian or is she another no. comedian? She's, okay. she's, no. she's, she's done she, stand-up, but... I didn't you know. know anything I stay about out of the her loop before now. this. Now I'm out of comedy, I don't keep up, sorry. Yeah, I didn't know anything about her before this either, but um, kind of checking up on her now... She was kind of a, um, I don't want to say, I'm, I'm going to say she open become mic. become famous through TikTok. I'm going to say open mic, but that's going to sound, um, that's going to sound like I'm trying to drag her down and I'm not. Right, right, right. She's, she's a, you understand, she's like an eight year kind of person who's hitting, who's hitting mics and working out during the week and occasionally getting a working gig. This is what I gathered she was and occasionally picking up a working gig. Like any other eight-year comic. Let me tell you, though. Here's what also. You know what I mean? I was going to tweet this, um, and I didn't. But Thank I, you, Adrian. Uh, a rookie comic. Yeah, I would probably call her a, a rookie. But people, if you've done five sets and you don't get famous, people call you an open mic or a new comic. But yeah. if you get famous, her five sets become this badge of authenticity. And it's the same right. people that will police comedy and police stand-up and treat stand-up comedy like some piece of shit art form and constantly right. criticize and police it and hold it to these high standards that will then use stand-up kind of same people as like a badge of authenticity when it suits them so it, it's i i hate getting i obviously i i have a, this this is there's a rage inside me and it's not for her mm -hmm. and i try to convey that as often as possible but there is such a a, a devotion that goes way beyond any comedy attachment that anytime I speak honestly about myself, I'm being a hater, I'm bitter, I should just be nice. And I'm going, yeah, but this is all in response. I didn't say shit until about June when my mentions started getting filled up with you're not as good, get your own shtick, stealing from a black woman, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's the only time I started speaking out. And I have people advising me and I know whether it's nice messages from celebrities meaning well or people who are actually working on my behalf saying you just got to leave it alone and in my head i'm going i'm a stand-up yeah. comic I, I, you're randolph, asking me randolph, to like, was one, randolph was one of those people to send him a message like come on man just hold it together dog don't freak out on these motherfuckers <laughs> don't freak out on these. but it's got don't it's just at this point where it's like you're i never i did not get into entertainment to like do late night talk show couch interviews you know what I mean? Like, I'm, not, I'm there to do late-night stand-up sets, not to sit on right. the couch and go, oh, well, we're all great. Thanks for asking. Right. And it's this thing, like, now people... I don't have any guarantee that I'm going to make money off of this. I mean, I'm making some money doing non-stand-up things right now, whether it's political ads or whatever. That's great. I enjoy making money. But this has not moved the needle. I haven't gotten one stand-up booking. I haven't gotten one booking agent. I haven't gotten one gig off of this. So it's this idea of, like, just shut your mouth eat the shit, and then hope that everything turns out nice. And I go, I've been in this 17 years. It almost never turns out nice. So <laughs> the, you're asking me. The hope goes away in year three. 
<laughs> right. You're asking me to defer my honesty and defending myself in the hopes that the paycheck comes one day, like, like, you know, it's waiting for fucking good dough. We got a, t- and- we got a technical, we got, a, oh, I don't mean to stop. You got a technical thing going on in the chat room. Is everybody's audio okay? Or is that just Jane? I think it might just be Jane. Okay. So Dominique says, okay, everybody else is fine. Wow. It's you baby. All over the place. Well, hold on. Someone else. Asia says, I can't really hear either. Interest. Maybe back out, come back in. I don't know, but it's, Okay. Yeah, refresh. See what happens. I'm just saying. I'm just stopping because I don't want. I don't want it to bleed into this heat that JL is bringing to everybody else. I love the way, by the way, that Chris is just sitting back, <laughs> taking it in. I'm chilling. Like this <laughs> oh, is no, so watching much... me self-immolate like a monk during the Vietnam kind of, War. Like, but you know like, what? I don't I'm kind of like watching television whilst being on it. I don't think <laughs> yourself. Uh, yeah, you're in a you're in an episode of the Love Boat. At the bar, a couple of beers and a split. I'm sitting here. This is very transcendental. It's crazy. It's like very interactive entertainment. I don't think I don't think I'm annoyed that I stopped you way. now. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Shit, I should have <laughs> let the television keep talking. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, how you're feeling. People will try to police that. I look at it like when it first started. You know, when you when you first, I think it was was it Richard Marks? Was he the first person to really reach? He was one of the first ones. Yeah. Okay, so when it started, I remember thinking, "Oh, okay, well, here we go. (laughs) This is finally everybody's going to catch up, and here we go. Here it is." You know, and then you were on um, Stern, and you know, I was like, "Yeah, exactly." And that's when I heard of this girl. Now, maybe I'm not plugged in. I'm fucking 50. I'm not plugged into the TikTok world. I wouldn't even occur to me to to look at this. I wouldn't even occur to me to think about looking at this girl. And I'm not a 50-year-old white mother in suburbia who's putting her own videos up. So it wouldn't even occur to me. And and that's when I heard about her. I was like, what the fuck is this? And and why are people like, how does no one not say it? I know I'm not trying to set you off again, JL. But how does no one not see... Doing my breathing exercises. (laughs) That it's, it's not even remotely close to what you're doing. My wife and I were talking about it because my wife is a big fan of JL and blah, 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 blah. Not so much your daughter, though. Well, no, she fucking hates <laughs> your ass. <laughs> She's like, he's not even black, daddy. She said that about you. <laughs> wow. Wow. <No. laughs> wow. She's going she... to lean into the camera right now and say, Sarah Cooper rules, and then just run out. Oh, she's a member of the coop, for sure. She is a member of the coop. <laughs> the, the thing is that you can't you can't do anything with what Sarah Cooper's doing other than show videos. You see what I mean? Right. You, you, you've been on Stern. We could bring you on and do interviews. You can do all kinds of shit with it. You can't do anything with her other than, Hey, look at this little cute TikTok video. But that's not, I mean, the way the industry quote unquote works is, right. It's not saying we want to take this thing you do and just have you do this over and over again. It's right. we think right. you're marketable. Right. And right. if they right. find her marketable, they'll find things for her to do. It's not right. about this is just the thing that gets the spotlight on her. But her right. Netflix special isn't going to be her lip syncing Trump the whole time. Right. Right. Know? But what I'm saying is I find what JL doing to be more marketable because it's more faceted. 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 Facetities. <laughs> I find it to be more facetitied than, than what, um, what she's doing 
because jail it's it's more applicable there's one i can get out it's more applicable to show business it it, it goes across you can put it in a lot of other things and you i've tried to do- i've tried to like over the course of this you know five month period i've probably integrated like nine to 12 other impressions just into the Trump videos and then tried to steer people, hey, check out the stand-up albums. And my favorite is when a few people say, oh man, I listened to this album or that album, loved it. And I go, good, now that's a real fan. Right. I treat this as just an ad for, for what I do, but, but for people not to get it, and I, I can't stress this enough, um, for people to attack, like real comedy fans don't attack other comedians unless they have done something to like, like if I say Joe Rogan sucks, his fans will attack me. But if I do a podcast, Joe Rogan fans aren't just going to randomly write to me and be like, dude, why are you even doing a podcast? Rogan dominates this thing. Whereas somehow with these new bored COVID uh, progressive moms that, you know, it's a, they should moms against Covan. It should be like a new group, a new, like <laughs> marching group. Um, yeah. they oh, just get in my 19? mentions. Yeah. Covan. <laughs> Covan 19. <laughs> they get in my mentions and it's like, they're def- It's like, they're so desperate to be some kind of hero that they're so removed from comedy. That's like, it never enters their mind. Like, are you aware that before April, 2020, comics did impressions right like why is this all of a sudden people have forgotten what this is right and you know but the thing i'm the thing i have to do is just be you know suppress every instinct i have as a comedian because you know apparently i'm not competing for for stand-up comedy gigs i'm competing to be a a social media influencer now which is like the problem is and the problem that that you ran smack into and i ran to well chris is out of this conversation now you fucking you left the you left the world and good. We'll come to yeah. you in a second, buddy. <laughs> you left. You got out. Uh, the problem that you're you're faced with and and us is that stand up is at a complete standstill. But I don't even know if it's so much standstill. I keep wanting to have um, Dr. Bambi on to talk about um, where entertain where she feels because she's a critic who covers television and stuff like that is where she feels television is television just entertainment is going to go because you know for the last four months there's no there is no stand-up we can't do it you know and that's that i think is the big problem that in your case you're having is that there is no stand-up to be done there is no there's nothing to be done so I have Other to make than, this audience happy yeah. like and keep them, but they're so yeah. far removed that, you know, and I get people who defend but your skills, who your skill set, your skill set may not, doesn't apply to this is situational, maybe to this situation and what she's doing quick, little short, you know, flashes of TikTok might apply better to the situation. I don't know. I'm just, but my videos did blow up. That's yes, the they like, did. I because your videos through. aren't that long either. The videos right. are fine, but you want to turn it into stand-up and stuff, and there is no stand-up to be had. Right. And then, but it's just, it's, I don't know. I, I, I'm just so, it's, it's really exhausting and annoying because I just feel like there's so little respect for stand-up comedy now right. that it's, like I said, it's the, it's the easy, it's the easiest thing for people outside to judge and condemn 
and yet they still want to use that label to define somebody because it sounds better than influencer. If you can call them a stand-up comic, it lends like some sort of almost street cred to their comedy right. portfolio, even if it's very unearned. You ready to blow? You ready to blow your head up even harder? I heard that her Netflix special is going to be sketches, and she's bringing people in to do sketches and stuff like that. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know, and it's. I mean. That's, that's damn it i was hoping i was gonna set you off again <laughs> <laughs> oh no no it's um no it's, she's been backstage the whole time you know yeah um <laughs> it's it's exhausting it's just you know i wondered i i joked with people but i just thought the arc you know the arc of my career bends towards failure and <laughs> i i remember when i started blowing up i found it kind of overwhelming and i remember saying to a couple of friends i just said mm, I'm not ready yet to celebrate because I don't know how this is going to turn south. And I'll admit, I never saw this coming. I never saw people forgetting that impressions are, are a thing and that original content and writing is, is sort of valued and that being a, a veteran stand-up comic is, uh, offers you a perspective and experience that maybe makes you, you know, the equivalent of maybe like a PhD in humor that maybe you shouldn't be lectured to or sent hundreds of sketch submissions by strangers every week saying you should do this like you know that's the genius i guess of lip sync is nobody can correct your impression nobody can offer you writing because you're not doing either mm. so you know it's like yeah, it's like it, that thinking that thinking gif on 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 social media where it's like you know can't get corrected if you're not making anything <laughs> um, yeah no one's punching up the jokes on her Right. Nobody's got. I, I wish I could just get uh, forty-eight thousand comments saying genius after I do. But instead, I get writing suggestions. I get told you should do the makeup, followed by a makeup video and eight people saying, "Ditch the makeup. You don't need it." And I'm going, "These are all free, you fucking assholes." <laughs> and I'm really good at it. And by uh, the way, and by the way, even but I'm not show, mad. Through this many- whole through this whole thing. Through everything, through through everything we've talked about right now, through everything you've been through before, you, to your credit, I don't know if it's to your, I don't know, it's 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 tough to just expect people to be decent. But you've never said anything about her. <laughs> you've never said anything at all about her or the work that she does. Like somebody texted me when it was when it was announced that she was on that list because I was very proud of the fact that Frankie Frankie's on right. that ten that ten as well as Janelle, by the way. Yeah. Don't I don't want to leave Janelle out. Although Janelle to me, no, I know. Although Janelle to me is like, well, of course. And that just, I wouldn't have expected her to be on it just because I thought she would have already have been that's on it exactly, like a couple of years exactly. ago. Exactly. That's yeah. something like you y'all are just now catching up to Janelle. She's far ahead. What? Okay, I guess. <laughs> you know, but somebody somebody sent me when she was on the list asking, is it deserved? I was like, Well, deserved? I mean, I guess she has a fan base, and when she puts stuff out she's gonna put it out it's it's good what she does it's fine it's fine again it's not it's not for me though and I, i'm okay with that she's she's not hurting anyone with what she does this is more about the industry than anything else you know like the industry just now you're just now putting janelle james on your list that doesn't make any sense <laughs> that doesn't. The know. only thing about that list, and I actually sent uh, sort of an angry email to a publicist that I had employed because, um, yeah, I had to play the game. I, I really thought, hey, publicity, who needs publicity? Like I got a bunch of stuff without any publicists, but I figured I had to, you know, do something. And 
not making that list, I could give a shit, except for the fact that I'm like, I feel like this year with no stand-up, if you're just rattling off comedians who've, who've made their mark during COVID, which is basically what the list is. Yeah. It's supposed to be, right? And no. it's either pre-picked people who have already just established their name, but there were several comics on there who've emerged during this period. To not make the top 10 for hey, that felt weird. Because I just was like, I feel like some of you probably heard of me. Like, why, why was And I don't, like, it's not that that list would have done anything. Uh, although Montreal Just for Laughs is a, a real credit and some exposure. So I just, you know, I care about headlining comedy mm -hmm. clubs in 2021. Mm -hmm. that's, that's it for me. But it right. doesn't mean that I want to sit here and endure cheap shots and stupidity from random people who've, you know, I feel like Nathan Jessup in A Few Good Men. You know, you ever pick up a mic? You ever, you ever stand <laughs> on stage? You ever pick up a mic? <laughs> <laughs> then I would just rather you say, that's funny and be on your way. Either way, I don't give a fuck what you think you're entitled to. You need me on that brick wall. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. You need me on that stage. <laughs> well, well so JL, JL, if it means anything, I too was also surprised I didn't make the list. Yeah, there you go. Uh, having that, not done comedy for four years. That was surprising to all of us. <laughs> that would have been really annoying. Let me just say <laughs> shout out to, before we come to you, because we're coming to you now. Uh, shout, out this. To, shout out to Frank. Um, she, before, haha, -ha, this is what Thank I get you. for being for being close to her from you guys. I call her Frank's. Uh, shout out to Frank. That's what, that's what I calls her. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Frank. She, she texted me like, Thursday morning, she was like, I'm, I made the top 10 comics to watch. I was like, well, of course you did. I'm not surprised about that, but how did that happen? And she was like, I don't know. I don't know. Her management, her and her management have parted ways because of the COVID. So she's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm like, well. Well, that NBC credit had funny. to have been worth, worth notice. Well, yeah. And then stand up, right? When, yeah. when the COVID started, she kind of went to work looking for things to do you know what i mean like like every other comic should have you we went to work all kind of looking for things to do unless you already have a podcast or something that you're establishing already doing you had to go find something else so she put those she put her shows together and uh it worked and on top of that she's funny and on top of that everything else you know what i mean but when i saw that young lady's name on the list at first I, I, it's a two-fold reaction i was like why is she on the list? And then the other part of me is like, well, of course she's on the list. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, why is she on the and list? Of course she's I mean, on the she, list. I she's, mean, she's one of the biggest, most famous names in entertainment this year. Like, I don't, right. I mean, she trends on Twitter once a week for something. Right. So it's, I have, once again, I, I hate having, the, the, what, I think this even annoys me. It's like explaining jokes, like, which is something I've had to do now. Like, this is just such an easy test. When I, I told a joke when Lane Bryant on Twitter, when Lane Bryant went bankrupt, I said, I wrote, Lane Bryant has filed chapter 12 to 24 bankruptcy. And <laughs> oh my God, the mentions, uh, take this. I love, I always love the take this down from, from a stranger. Like, who are you? Take this down. You're not, you don't give a shit. And like, this is fat shaming. This is a, this is disgusting. No, I, it's not. I was a fan of yours. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, then please go. Like you really aren't a fan of mine. You like voices. That's you're not a fucking comedy fan. Go away. But it's just you start to see shit like that, 
and I don't even know where I was fucking going with that rant. I'm just, now I'm like, just so fucked because I just want to be a fucking comedian. I just want to, I want to, this is why we brought it to you guys because we knew it was going to be like this. How many, uh, (laughs) how many words have you muted on Twitter or have you done that yet? Um, well, it didn't work when I tried to mute some words because then I, all I saw in my mentions was that I was uh, mentioned in hundreds of tweets where you muted that word or phrase. Okay. Right, right. Um, and I was like, well, let's just see what that is. And then, I'll, and then I was just like, you know what? I'm taking whichever pill in the matrix allows me to see how shitty the real world is. Yeah. That's it. I'm taking that and I'm going <laughs> to see what these people are saying because when, when somebody... And I've said this on my own podcast before. And, and when you, everybody knows, I'm very vocal about my frustrations with the business, my frustrations with my own careers, the hits and misses and the, the close but never getting there. Sometimes all you have in your career is your integrity. For many years, you go, well, I'm doing it the right way. I'm a good comedian. I'm, I'm working as hard as I can trying to make that an album. That ain't enough. No, no, no. My point is, I know it's not enough, but sometimes that's all you have. And then in like month three of you getting some respect, when every ninth mention is calling you a thief and people are like, they only have nine followers. Why are you bothering? Like, why even respond? I go, because I'm not going to have that in the fucking air. I'm not going to have tweets lingering unanswered that accuse me of being a thief. I don't care if you have one follower, you're not going to put that out there because I put too much work in just because you don't know the work I've put in. And because you discovered comedy and black people in April of 2020 doesn't mean you're going to get the, get to sit there and like put my name out there. Black people though. Have they really discovered black people? You know, I, I just, <laughs> I've, I've learned you don't get between a, a white Twitter progressive in their middle ages and their, and their news and their new Beyonce that you don't do that. You will, you will, you will catch farmer's market heat. <laughs> oh, let's shift it. Let's shift the focus off the rage for a second. <laughs> What's up, English Bay? Man, how have you been in the... Uh, uh, oh, by uh, the way, the chat room is wondering how long before that base over your shoulder goes up against the wall. I saw Keith write that. Those are my girlfriend's birthday flowers, so I can't. I have to respect <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, it's, I do like this. This is turning into like a what up with that uh, on SNL where you keep going to English Bay and they're like, oh, but one other thing. And then we're going to get to like two hours. And it's like, well, that's the show. Thanks for sitting there, Chris. <laughs> how have you been though, Chris, over this? And I'm going to pivot away. Well, how have you been over there, man? Because we, like I said, we did do that. We did have a talk with you where you, you laid down. Yeah, less angry than JL for sure. 100% less angry. Well, you know what? It was, it was, um, it was less angry because you were trying, you were really focused on finding your way. You know, well, yeah. Finding I mean, your way and uh, finding some weed in your life in the next hour. <laughs> so, right. I mean, that's generally a concern of mine and anyway, has been for 20 yeah. years. Um, yeah. But, like, uh, yeah, I mean, the last two years has been crazy. I mean, as you guys know, I mean, Andy and I were on, uh, well, I did. Dom's podcast with Andy and mm-hmm. we talked about it and that was the most recent connection I've had other than the first time we spoke which was when mm-hmm. I was going through I'm assuming a pretty crap time um, yeah. because obviously I had to leave DC um, in 2017 in, in four days having lived there for seven years so that was a nightmare um, and that the whole progress and process since then has just been about a transition um, 
to where I am now. And it's just, uh, I heard the phrase the other day that life's like a wheel, you know, and one day you're at the top and the next day you're at the bottom, but then you're back at the top again. And mm. that's really been resonating with me a lot recently. Right. How, so is your wife working regularly now? She's working. She's doing great. Like she, she very much landed on her feet. She's getting a lot of recognition in London for the work she does in environmentalism. Um, is really Can I ask what play. happened? Now it's my turn to get the backstory. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, basically, I was in D.C. from 2011 and uh, uh, was doing stand-up there. And obviously, that's how I met Andy and Randolph. They and doing well, from what I could see, just on the outside looking, doing well. Thank you. For yourself. You know? um, these are my trousers for those in the chat. I like uh, those, by the way. I was going to say, they look very comfortable, very loungy. Are you entering a bodybuilding competition soon? <laughs> yeah, I, or I'm one of the Legion of Doom. One of the, <laughs> um, yeah, so we were having a good time in DC. This is pre-COVID. Happiness and hugs were had on a regular basis, and mm-hmm. mics were shared, and no one really cared. Uh, and then my wife and I got married. I applied for a green card, but because of uh, a couple of things, mainly Trump coming in uh, and getting elected, and also me having been arrested in 2009 for drugs possession in the UK, I was denied a green card and told that I was uh, severely out of date on my visa and was given four days to leave the country uh, or face large penalties. And they basically said, well, you can't go to a hospital because you'll just get arrested. And I was like, that's a shit situation to be in. So I should probably Mm -hmm. just go. You know, I don't want to get arrested at hospital. And you had just gotten married. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you make, you remember, you make it sound like it was an, I was a good year because it really wasn't. Because remember, we had the dog that attacked my wife that we yes. took in. Do you remember that? Yes. We lost right. Dylan. Did we lose well, Dylan that, that was time? After. That was later. Yeah, that, that was, was later. later. Yeah. That was the crescendo. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, fucking Dylan, he always had to come in, yeah. right? At, and like, then I'm going to come at in. At this and, point, if we're talking, <laughs> if we're talking about the tasting menu of despair, that is my right. life. Right. Like, the right. hors d'oeuvre were, you know, uh, getting bed bugs. Andy, do you remember we got bed bugs? I vaguely remember a bed bug conversation. Right. So I got bed bugs, had to move out. So I moved into a different apartment, got a dog rescue pitbull from uh, my current weed dealers at the time uh who couldn't take care of him and the dog had ptsd um because it had witnessed various horrible things living in a drug dealer's house and so it attacked my wife after a year and we had to give up the dog uh that was the starter then the entree was me getting appendicitis remember that one andy remember that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you went to the hospital right. they didn't arrest you yeah, that no, time. This was, but remember, this was when Obama was still in. So not only yeah. did they not arrest me, but I got completely free medical care. <laughs> However, Trump was elected whilst I was recovering from a blood infection. So, jail. I was in hospital for, I think it was 14 days um, after peritonitis. So basically, my appendix exploded burst, while they yeah. were trying to take it out. And I got a blood infection. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I while I was in the hospital, Trump got elected. Um, and... Later on, I got a bill from the hospital for the, for the treatment, which was £80,000, $80, which had I gone in six days later, I would have been on the hook for. Um, but because I didn't, because I went in earlier, I didn't have to pay any of it. It was great because of insurance and Medicaid. I wish you all told all this 
if you'd told all this, if they, if they had led with you, I think I was set up. If they had led with you, there's no way I could have been so righteously angry about <laughs> like mean tweets I get. I definitely would have been like, well, do you that see puts now, it in perspective. Do you see now why I started with you? I know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> this isn't even done yet, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, know the, I know what the fuck yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> so, so Andy's right. So we're kind of on the fish course at the moment. Um, <laughs> So then the the entree to the meat. <laughs> the, the entree was the visa refusal, having to leave the country, and then not being allowed to have my wife join me because That's... of the fact that I'd worked as a comedian for so long that it didn't qualify her to join me as a as my partner because I hadn't worked in England for long enough to allow that to happen. So I had to get a job away from comedy, back in hospitality, which is something I hated and had done for years, and left to do comedy and was so happy to end up leaving it. I had to go back to it in order to get my wife back. Um, so I was away from home, home being the States, had to move back in my parents at 35, which they loved, obviously. Um, <laughs> that was a really good situation for all of us, having <laughs> them thinking they'd never see me or my sister again, downgrading to a much smaller apartment and then having a very angry, depressed, 35-year-old son. Year son. <laughs> uh, just cleaning out the fridge every night. I was getting high and then just going and eating all the desserts. But that's like, who ate all the magnums? Like, <laughs> um, and yeah, and so that was sad. Eventually got her over. But then it was kind of like, almost like she had to go through what I went through because she had a life there and she was rooted and she had to leave because not because of choice, because of duty. Um, duty <laughs> and she took those vows not. man she's not yeah exactly she's in it till the end she's coming <laughs> she's lucky i've got a nice place yeah you uh, need me on that wall <laughs> yeah. but no i mean credit to her she she did come over and so now we've got to that point where you know we went through all that we're recovered. oh and uh ladies in the chat room he's married to a black woman watch it watch the chat room blow up watch the chat room blow up <laughs> Yeah, a black scientist. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so who's also, yeah, doing, she's doing so much. She's really spread her wings out here because she's, I guess, freer from an expectation. I found that when I moved to the States, it's like you can really leave behind the person that you were where you grew up when you go somewhere else because no one knows you. There's no one has any expectation of you. They can meet the person that you are then rather than judging you by everything that you had been before that point. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, moving to a different country can really, in some ways, as though it can be a really difficult break, give you the freedom that you need to do what you want. Because I never would have had the balls to do comedy in the UK just because I'd be afraid like one of my childhood bullies would be in the audience and then just be like, I'd be like oh no, I'm dying. You know, but in the States, I didn't care. And I also was kind of protected by the well, That's kind of, I mean, that happens here a lot where people will, you know, you'll grow up, you'll have a shitty experience in your little hometown, shitty experience in high school. You go away to college in another whole nother town, maybe perfect, another state. Perfect example, perfect you example. Re, you, re, you yeah. reinvent yourself. You show move, back up to your high school reunion with big well, tests and everybody's like, yeah. You move yeah. away, <laughs> you move away, you leave college, you get another, t you get, you go to a nice city, you start working there and then you go back home and you're like, holy shit, you pieces. And there's always that piece of shit who used to fuck with you, who stayed there, <laughs> who has, yeah. who became, who became exactly what you thought they would become. Yeah. Just a, just but a. Like, 
I remember a point in the height of my uh, depression and anger and uh, mourning, really, because like me and Andy talked about it. I was going through grief, basically, of like loss, of losing a whole life, like four days, see you later. Um, and uh, at one point, I just remember having like yelling at my dad, just like, I needed to go 6,000 miles away from this to truly be myself. You know, it's so dramatic. <laughs> like, but you know what? But you know what? You, you say dramatic and, and we're comics and we make, we make jokes about stuff like that. But that's not dramatic. That's the truth. You, it's, it's, not, it's, not even, it's not even so much the 6,000 miles. You could have went fucking 10 miles up the road. It was the fact that you were in a new environment. Yeah. You were able to find who you are mm-hmm. and who, or, or at least find the freedom to become whoever it is you want to be. You right, know what right. I mean? You and came back, important. you came back with a, with a whole new mindset of black ass wife. Are you kidding me? You never would have found your wife there. I mean, you know, you know, you know what I'm yeah. saying? You came I'd be, back. I'd, as be a married to, I'd be married to Nanny McPhee living in a thatched <laughs> cottage. Like yeah, you, know, you came back as a different person, you know, and that's, there's something well, to that, be yeah, said but th- for that. There's, that's a question. So when you went back to London, and you, first of all, were back with your family, but also reconnecting with maybe old friends. Did they notice that you had changed? Were they like, man, you're different, man. Something's not, not the same. Well, here's the thing. Like, so I, I only had a couple of close friends in the UK. You know, I was always kind of like that outcast guy at school that never really was in with any particular clique, but kind of hung out with a yeah. few because I had... Oh, a school shit. shooter. That's, I th- that's what yeah. we call that in the United States. Exactly. School shooter or comedian. One of the I just two. wasn't given the, the England, stabbers. to spread my wings. I did actually wear a trench coat. It was, yeah, honestly. Um, you wore a trench coat to school? But that's the thing, exactly. So here's the thing. Let me explain this. The, the multifaceted know, diamond that was Chris as like someone at school. So I was an academic scholar and also an art scholar, right? But I didn't want to be a nerd or an artist. So I had to do those things, but I also played sport. So I was also captain of athletics, was London high jump champion and played first 15 rugby. Um, I also did graffiti. And you should like- have been, you should have on paper, just with what you just said, you should have been a very popular person. <laughs> In your hometown, nice. just on paper, you should have had. First of all, every here's dude, the thing, the every way, the dude should have loved you, and panties should have just been right. thrown at you. Right, but here's the thing, and here's you're the way, good looking too. No, 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 you, no, no, man. no, no, Randall, Randall, you're, you're you're wrong on so many levels, and I'm going to address them one yeah, by one. Yes, please give it to me. And first you're of all, looking too. Come on. I was just saying, as you list them, it sounds like I was yes. like that A class jock. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing. I got bullied mercilessly and had no friends. The only two friends I had in school were two guys whose nicknames were Blob and Monkey. <laughs> right. That was that was what the whole school called them. Did right? you have a nickname? Yes. I'll get to that. Okay. My nickname was Toupee. Right. And the reason it was Toupee was because once when I was 13, I went to a hairdresser, got a bowl cut that was a half inch higher on one side than the other, uh, well, and it looked like someone had put a toupee on my head and just skewed it. We've all been through that, the, the bad haircut. We've all been through it. Right, but it got worse than that because Ugh. I had really sticking out buck teeth. And there yeah. was a character in a British series called Red Dwarf called Dwayne Dibley, right? And you can Google it now if you want, but that was my second nickname. And you'll see it's arguably much, much more insulting than Tupé. So, I mean, what's it called? I gotta, I gotta I'm looking it up. I'll, I'll screen share it. 
Dwayne Pay could be changed to like a rap name though later in life, like just the right. number two and then Pay. Yeah, you P-A-Y. can say what you want, Joe. Wait till you see Dwayne Dibley. <laughs> I'm not even going to front, right? <laughs> There's no right. way I'm gonna, you can recover I'm share from that being your nickname. Because everyone knew who Dwayne Dibley was. Oh, man. That's, yep. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, that's there harsh, it is. Man. Like looking in a mirror. That's harsh, dude. <laughs> right? Wow. Of, oh, he some, was on Red Dwarf? Lots of memories coming back now. Yeah, yeah. He was a spin-off character of Cats. Um, okay. And yeah, it was... Uh, that stuck. That's harsh. That nickname stuck for a while. I'm not going to lie. But then I changed my hair to uh, the hair that Aaron Rodgers had when he got drafted. You know, that greased quiff. Right. And that was that was my go-to then. Got braces. Are those his but... natural teeth? What the fuck is going on in the UK no, 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 can't no. take care of teeth? <laughs> yeah, that's not doing a lot of favors for the British stereotype. No. <laughs> um, I want to point out my teeth are fine now. Um, and uh, like slowly I molded myself from Dwayne Dibley. Got braces. Started getting a bit better at sport. Because I was only good at sport when I was like 17. Okay. So before okay. that I was... I was like really lanking gangly. And then, and then I kind of, kind of got good at sport. But the sports people bullied me from when I was Dwayne Dibley. So like okay. they didn't really like me, but they had to play on the same team as me. Right? The artists didn't like me because I played sport. The graffitiers and the weed smokers, didn't, they didn't play sport or do art. So, so it was kind of like if there was a Venn diagram of popularity, I was the little bit in the middle that was really unpopular. Yeah. But so every group, was, yeah. every group that you joined didn't like you because you were in the other group. Kind of, yeah. Right. Kind of. Right. I also, right. the only reason I got in the cool group in the first place was because I started going out with a girl who was in that group. So I was like cool by proxy, but I wasn't ever in on merit. Okay. Know? Cool in-law. Yeah, that's a good way to call it. Cool, a cool in-law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, lots of sad memories, honestly. So... Yeah, so coming back is so so you go away to America, right? And you're able to reinvent yourself, right? Yeah, just do what I want to do, wanted to do. Right, I ended right. up didn't even know I wanted to do it. I had no machinations to go out and be like, I'm going to go do comedy. Like, didn't even think about it. It was literally an afterthought, and I did it for fun one night, and it ended up when you saw me actually. Oh uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I saw you. Right. Why did you go to America then? I, I was working for a hotel company um, that uh, I'd been with since I left university because my dad was like, you've got to get a job straight away. You've got to get in the workforce. You haven't got time to like figure out who you are and you've got to earn some money, um, which was, you know, good natured advice, I guess, from a parent. Every, every parent, man. It's really but not good advice, time, but it's it, good it, it advice you, you get. It really limits you because you, you, you have to focus on something that takes your focus away from what you might want to do and uh plus the fact i was lazy and i was like okay yeah this job pays me money that pays for weed that's good that that makes sense so i stayed with them for like 20 years and moved around the world so i went and opened the hotel in barcelona for them and uh, then moved out to dc where i was the the banquet manager and that's where Mm -hmm. i started comedy quite quickly after i got to dc because i was like because i'll tell you what it was because i'd lived for a year in spain and didn't have english as my first language and wasn't allowed to use my language skills like humor sarcasm nuance all of that sort of stuff in the way that i used to in england it was so nice to go to america and have this power again and especially when you encapsulated it in the fact i sounded a bit different you immediately got people's attention so whatever i said 
people were like, oh, this is different. Mm-hmm. And as long as I was charismatic and interesting and funny. So there's, there's a lesson for you, Jay. I'll get you an English accent in your repertoire. That's right. <laughs> That's a lesson for you, baby. It's another 17 years. I'm going I'm to set you apart. New plan. My first 17-year plan failed. So now all, all, my fa- all my fans will come and go, you stole that from Chris Milner. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went back home. Yeah. When you get there, did you feel a, the sense of, um, I don't know, plugging back in or people trying to put you back into this? First of all, how many of your, like as Andy was saying, how many of your old people did you run up on? And did you get a sense of people trying to put you the square peg now no. back into the round hole? Or did you no. feel yourself, even putting yourself the square peg back into the round hole? Not at all, because the, the, good, the move. Good to America and doing comedy was the final break that I needed because I'll never forget my dad one day when, when actually when he left after having come in over for the wedding, he said, I'm really proud of you that you followed your dream and you're doing it. Did you hit him with a, ain't you the one who told me? That was after, that was after because I was, because you know, at the time, I mean, that was good advice at the time, but in hindsight, it wasn't what I needed, you know? Like, but in hindsight, I should have never gone to university. I should have, in hindsight, I should have left school at 16 and gone into a workforce. Like, that's, I'm just one of those people that wasn't meant for higher education. So, right. like, some people are different, and you don't realize that until you're much older, that the path that you think might be the right path might not be. Um, and you can change paths. Like, like, like I'm, I'm on a different path entirely now, and I'm happier than I've ever been, and I never would have ever thought that could have happened. I thought I had to be doing comedy to be happy. I had to be doing my passion. And and I was wrong. And you had to go through a lot of fire to get to to get there. It's yeah. a lesson for you, JL. Yeah, no, I feel like I've uh, gone through the fire and I have uh, severe burns and I'm just going to be recovering for a long time. <laughs> yeah, That's don't all. worry, man. Anything that doesn't kill you makes you stronger except polio, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a lot of things. Terrible phrase. Um, but life's a wheel is a good one. You're up, then you're down. You know, and, yeah. and it's taught me to not have any expectations. Like you said, JL, don't have, you know, you end up being, and, and comedy really taught me this, like how Andy was saying, hey, get callous to it. It's like, it does prepare you for disappointment and also gives you the tools to laugh at that. It doesn't stop it hurting. But it makes it more manageable than I think someone that might not have done it, you know, going through. You know who else knows a lot about that? Any black person walking the the streets of the United States of America. (laughs) Any and everyone. You got to laugh to keep from crying sometimes. Yeah. Not even sometimes, a lot of the time. Right, JL? A lot of the time, (laughs) you got to clap (laughs) just to keep from crying. (laughs) here's Here's the one thing that I did realize, though, as happy as I am, something that I, I took for granted at the time and something that you don't realize when you're doing it is that hanging out with comedians, you've never laughed more in your life. You've never laughed as much as you laugh with comedians and you just take it for granted. You take it for granted being around funny people. You take it for granted that people can riff, can fucking make you laugh. And then yeah. as soon as you get into the real world, you're like, wow, most of you motherfuckers aren't fucking funny and they yeah. don't they don't riff at all you like no one riffs no one riffs you have a you say a line you're expecting someone else to say something build on that and they just go <laughs> and they just look away they don't even yeah. get right. what you're doing i say so much and then i just literally say i'm wasted to myself 
by the end. <laughs> yeah, like, and I think I think about that too. Is is, is the uh, I miss that a lot of of comedians on a Saturday night standing around at the draft house, and and let's not even say comedians, just my people. You know, just four or five of us standing in a circle talking while some little young comic is just flitting around the edge. <laughs> you know, you know, just, you know what I mean? Just flitting around and it's just us just having a conversation. I really miss, miss that, you yeah. know, I miss the spontaneous. Right. I mean, that's the thing I just realized with, and, with, with COVID, like that's the thing you, you, with the lockdown, you guys have had to, well, everyone has had to address what do you miss from pre-lockdown? And I think it's equally tough for comedians because you see the same people on a more frequent basis than anyone else in any kind of industry, right? You're always trying to make each other laugh. Right. This is my, brother's, just, my brother in the chat room is saying, he's not even a comic, and he's saying the young comics are exhausting. You better believe it. <laughs> you, better, you better believe it. Yeah, but you kind of miss it, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, what I miss is watching Andy smack him down in his in his Andy Klein way. That's so funny. <laughs> I do it in my I head miss, a lot on I social miss, media. I miss watching you smack them down. I'll never forget, and I used to tell this story a lot on podcast. Did I make somebody cry? Is that this where the story's uh, going? It was, the, <laughs> it was like the first time I ever saw you do a, a, green, a, a green room briefing. Yeah. You know, so this was at the time when, obviously, you all know, when there'd be like 50, 40 people there, and the list is 12, and like you gather, gathered outside, and everyone's hopes about to be dashed that it's, it's like watching the draft it's hilarious and randolph just gets up and goes now this is the list if you're not on it it's because we don't think you're funny <laughs> <laughs> so what can you do about that you can bitch and moan and complain or you can go back and write some good jokes and come back and try and get on next week and i was just like yep that about sums it now, up. Like, now, having said that, the reason why I probably said that was because Andy and myself heard of heard of young comedians <laughs> bitching yeah, about not being on the list. Definitely. That's where that that's where that came. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Don't get me wrong. I mean, Randolph's <laughs> not like an evil man. Like, that's where that would have come. That was from. warranted and correct. And then Randolph like <laughs> did a Bobby Knight chair throw across the stage. And right. they always put they always put it on me. Andy's right behind me, push me with a stick. Go get him. Go, go say something. Get him. Get him. I'm, I'm a good cop. Got, Tim's like the enforcer, so you bring Tim in every now and again, <laughs> like to really scare people. If Tim's getting angry, like fuck it up. Yeah, because we always used to hear people bitching. Oh, you know, it'd be the worst. Like, let's say we had, like, say we had like JL featuring, right? And then Jay with JL would come over off the main sheet. Oh, like, hey, you want to do it? You gonna, you gonna do a up. set? You gonna do a set, right? <laughs> yeah, you are gonna do a set. Well, somebody might get bumped. <laughs> Who's it gonna be? That was always the best. <laughs> you know what's? You know what's the the most like bittersweet um, in retrospect story about that? There was a new comic. He brought like a couple of his friends. People always thought, hey, I got friends here. That means I can get on, right? We're like, no, we got a no. packed house without your friends. So we didn't ask you to bring We don't need your no. friends. But he had his friends there and he was going on later in the show. And so he was excited, of course. And um, pre-racism Owen Benjamin was the headliner in the main room. Yeah, we didn't know then. Yeah, uh, he was just a nice guy. Just a, hey, he's a good dude. Isn't it? The headliner sometimes comes over to our open mic and does us a favor basically by going on. There was a long list of people who did that. And he was like, yeah, I'll go on your show. So 
Owen Benjamin decides he wants to go on the open mic, which means we have to bump now one or two comics off the end of the list, which one of them was this guy who we don't, I don't even think he was like a first timer maybe. And Owen Benjamin. Lucky to have gotten on. At right, all. Lucky. <laughs> at <laughs> all. Been sitting there, you know, for an hour and a half waiting. Um, Owen Benjamin then goes up, probably does about 10 minutes. And he gets off stage and it's like, okay, at that point shows over because we're running up on time. We're not going to have time for these bump people. And who's we'll going to follow that? <laughs> we'll make it up. To, yeah. And then this dude, his friends after the show ends, they come up to Owen Benjamin in the lobby and they start talking shit to him. Like you fucking bumped our friend and, and all that shit. Now I wasn't there that night. So Randolph called me and told me this story that this guy, his friends actually approached the headliner, the main yeah. room headliner and started bitching at him. So Randolph told the guy, the comic like, okay, you can't come back now. Yeah, don't ever yeah. come back to the show. And he was like, <laughs> I didn't do anything. You're like, you didn't check your friends. Those yeah, your friends. I, I, I told him. I said, those are people, right? <laughs> don't <laughs> don't come back here again. Yeah. Don't come back here. And like a again. few months later, Owen Benjamin became a bigot. So, <laughs> well, that's what happens. If I may speak on that, the uh, I've noticed on social media something happens to white male comics who had a good run in their twenties with yeah. management and buzz and they hit about 36 37 and then it becomes they start to just sort of gravitate like you know like almost like terrorists who are without jobs who gra- gravitate to a more ideological pure and intense uh philosophy yeah they start to gravitate towards this anti-diversity i'm actually a free speech warrior whereas when they were getting gigs and had agents up their ass they were kind of in the, hey, so uh, here's a song I wrote about fun stuff. And then after a few years of living that, you know, JL life, if you're not about that austerity and that, and that bitterness in your soul, it starts to hit you differently. And all of a sudden you start going, you know what the real problem is? I'm going to kick it to you truthfully. Diversity. Why isn't it just funny? And also, um, I'm a free speech warrior. And in the spirit of Carlin... I want to scream the N word on stage because that's what comics do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Cause that's what the fuck happened to him. <laughs> you know? Well, then they it also happens. start blaming their, their lack of success only on that. They say, Oh, I clearly I would have been bigger if not for this, the industry forcing <laughs> diversity. Sure. <laughs> They're not about truth anymore. Uh, they're about PC and they don't get me wrong. I will. They, I always walk this weird line whenever I'm criticizing comedy, because I always end up taking like 5% of the argument of people. I don't want to be on the same side of, but others will interpret that as like an endorsement right. of that side. So it's very difficult to speak totally honestly because you might end up, Hey, you know, Joe Biden voted with Strom Thurmond once but it doesn't mean I think his policies as president will be in line with Strom Thurmond. But anyway, yeah. well, you're, you're hundred percent right. By the way, <laughs> you're hundred percent right. You know, who's mentioning Dane cook. <laughs> Adrian. No, he didn't become that guy. Dane no, cook, the, the he, bitter free speech guy. Dane is just, well, listen, Dane went through some shit with his, family fucking stealing all his money and yeah <laughs> he cook went like la spirit i sometimes read instagram posts of his on righteous prick he sometimes get into it gets into this real like 
kind of, they sound kind of stupid, but it's very like LA spiritual kind of talk. And I'm like, what happened to the guy from Boston? You know what? I think he was, you know what? I think he was always that guy though. I I think he was always kind of that, that, um, spiritually we can all excel we are we are, we are light in the universe i think so oh, man <laughs> optimistic beams of light that we can share with each other's <laughs> souls and spirits now i'm gonna bang this 19 year old and 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 you can be all of those things <laughs> that 19 year old is legal <laughs> in fact i think i think banging the 19 year old comes first and then yeah. and then it becomes this optimism about <laughs> your place in the universe <laughs> I was I was down in the dumps and then a a 19-year-old model had sex with me and now I see the world in a totally different way. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Blair said that's the initiation. Yeah, that gets you in. That's that's how they recruit people for Scientology. That yeah, gets you to the day throw a 19-year-old at you. Well, I've got to tell my girlfriend that then that the, the cure to my blues is uh, I've got to incorporate a 19-year-old, a 19-year-old into our relationship. <laughs> You could you could have that as a day quote from any year from now back to like 2006. I was feeling down that I fucked a 19 year old. <laughs> day 2007. I was feeling down that I fucked. <laughs> so so Chris, you've left you've left stand up completely. Yeah. yeah, right. But here's the thing. I wouldn't say I'm never going to get back on stage again, but it just. That was a chapter for me that was celebrated and wonderful and for, 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 from an outsider's perspective, relatively successful, you know, uh, by the end I was getting on that. I was that the voice of comedy central and serious that show yeah, that things were about Glazer to ended up taking off me. Yeah. Um, and you know, and was, you know, doing some decent shows. I had my show and was getting some interest from TV about it. And then that scuppered the pitch, actually, because the pitch was scheduled, the live pitch was scheduled, and then I had to leave. So Dylan had to go up and do it on his own mm-hmm. without me, which doesn't make any sense. You know, yeah, he's a sidekick sending... on that show. Yeah, he's exactly. a sidekick. He's not the lead. Just sending Robin in to deal with it. Like, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even have his own transport. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. had to get people on the show that could drive to get him there. <laughs> right. You know what I mean, like, that's how little I got to curate that show. Um, so i guess the pitch wasn't successful no (laughs) guess not it was the the final turd on the pile of turds that was the final end of my you didn't get back into hospitality over there did you i had to briefly to pay for my to get my wife over but then the second i could i got out of it again what are you in now can you say well yeah bro i'm happy to say oh okay fantastic pivot in my life because randolph as you know I'm the current defending bump list fantasy football champion. Yes. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, beating <laughs> Americans at their own game since 2011. Thank you very much. Uh, so with my love and knowledge of NFL, which, as you all admitted, was bizarre because... It was, I did bizar- like- it was bizarrely solid. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And that it was, was bizarrely then. bizarrely solid. You know. I appreciate that. Um, and so basically now what I do is I'm a director of a company called national vintage league which is basically all this so it's like reselling all vintage 90s you know jerseys from sick players starter mm-hmm. jackets satins sweatshirts tees you know old like all that old like from when the nf from when you could really hit a guy in the nfl you know 
<laughs> back before these pussies took over they, diversity. When, you know, the time of one bar head guards. So, you know, like that sort of epic era. Huge pads, no consequences. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, that that the whole thing might come to screeching to a halt with this COVID. Well, but correct, correct. And I but mean, that always, true. but that, but yeah, that might actually raise up the value of what you're doing. I mean, Redskins stuff's gone through the roof since they changed the name. Yeah, I, mean, I would imagine. It's like in the basketball world, obviously, when um, the last dance documentary came out, that roofed the, the prices of Jordan jerseys. When Kobe died, that roofed the price of Kobe jerseys. You know, people have an affinity for vintage in a sport or a team right. they like. The players so you just that, need more disasters. Yeah, well, no. Yes and no, because <laughs> sometimes a player's actions can make his stock drop plummet. Because it's like, oh, thanks for this fresh shipment of Ray Rice jerseys that's now completely useless after <laughs> right. 2012. Just throw those away. Um, we actually got one in and we said, uh, we said, we don't want to sell this, but whoever makes uh, a donation to a women's shelter will send this to you. And, uh, and someone Ray Carruth. Ray Carruth is out of jail now, I think. Ray Carruth. So is he out? Those selling, or is he, he out? Ready? I didn't know that. He's out. Jail. One of the things I always used to say was, do you know the reason that Cam Newton gives a ball to a child in the crowd every time he scores is to try and atone <laughs> for the unborn baby that Ray Carruth almost killed? Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, I, I was I, I wasn't moaning at the joke. I was just now thinking about the actual case. Sorry, I hope I hope you didn't feel like I, I mean, was it's, moaning it's, at the no, joke. it's shocking. I mean, it's shocking. <laughs> I didn't even realize that he was out. Oh wow! Yeah. Got it like a year ago. That's crazy. But like, that's the sort of thing that can ruin the market value of my Ray Carruth stock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how do you like, do you like the job? I guess you. I'm, I've never good, been right? happier, honestly. Like yeah. the. Because we're the leading global reseller and we're based out of the UK. So we're bigger than all the other American companies. So we right. have players follow us. We have players that get stuff off us. Um, you know, we ship all around the world um, and we put out content as well as sell the vintage. So And you did all this without a, without a university degree. Hmm? I actually got a university degree. Did right? you get a degree? I didn't know that. I have a joint honors in Hispanic studies and film studies. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. so, so you didn't think that you didn't think to go make Spanish films. You didn't think to do that. It was a waste of time um, and money, uh, and then more money because I took a lot of drugs. So I just piled on. Uh, there you go. Four years. Can't remember any of it. Didn't learn much. Um, but I think in life, you only need to learn like three quotes and a couple of Bible verses to basically win any situation. So that's what I figured. So I've just got like three good ones that I remember. You have you. an all-purpose Bible quote in your backpack. Yeah, I can whip out. Yeah, yeah, Ezekiel, you know, when the wicked mouth turneth away from the wickedness he hath committed and doeth okay. that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. Live by Jail, that. Jail, what you got? Uh, I don't know. I just did a video series as Trump breaking down uh, Bible verses. So <laughs> I was thinking of a different book in Ezekiel where they're talking about um, – you know, uh, Assyrians with, that are hung like donkeys with emissions like stallions. That's also in Ezekiel, <laughs> but that was more for my Trump, my Trump video series. That's anybody, Ezekiel after dark. If anybody would have a Bible verse ready, it would be jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. HBO's real Ezekiel. <laughs> Most people, it's just the Pulp Fiction quote. It's like, well, yeah. I've got one up my sleeve, but then I have to murder you spectacularly <laughs> in front of all your friends. What's going on over there as far as... Um, the the virus and everything how are you guys doing as far as being out and stuff like we're that? kind of doing the same as you but on a smaller scale so it's okay. bad but not as bad 
Um, oh, so, yeah, because y'all's fucking prime minister fucked that off, you know. So They have an off-brand Trump. They See, do. We have, yeah. we have the real Trump. They have an off-brand yeah. Trump, so he's not as, as potent. You, right. have, uh, you have deep-fried Trump. We have boiled Trump. <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. <laughs> and, yeah, so he's a bit of a nightmare. haven't really heard a lot from him. Um, the thing is, like, because we obviously had the Black Lives Matter protests over here as well, and it was obviously very sh- important for my wife and I to go and attend those. Um, and that was like a peak lockdown. Um, and But it basically highlights the point that there are some things that you're going to be willing to do regardless of this virus and some things that you're not going to be willing to do. And everyone is just up to them to find out what their level of comfort is. Um, but they've basically opened the country up for you to live as normally as you would want to, if you wanted, they have like a deal on by the government called eat out to help out, which is Monday through Wednesday. You can eat in any restaurant and get food and drink 50% off. So like loads of people have been doing that. Um, how is it how is it going though are people still doing masks and staying away from each yeah, other yeah yeah, yeah. Pe- well yeah, yeah yeah people are still doing masks and social distancing and you have to have um you know all the sort of things in place if you don't want to get in trouble um but some people are staying in still some people are just as worried and cautious now as as they were during peak lockdown and some people are okay i mean i travel to work every day on the tube I don't have a problem taking public transport. Everyone is wearing a mask. Um, you know what it is? I think it's that everyone is wearing a mask. That's the... Uh, for, wait, before we say that. Not like, but remember, though, you some guys people are cover wearing your them noses. Like do you cover right, if your... You don't, if you don't wear your mask over your nose, it's like putting condom on your ball sack, right? Yeah. It's completely fucking useless. And nothing annoys me more than seeing people that have just got it like that. Um, but whatever. I mean, you can't... Yeah, no, it's fucking real. I, went into I don't the think you should mask check, oh, though, either. But I think that's a bit Say weird. Say again, Joe? Oh, I was interrupting, so Chris can finish. Oh, it's, I've it's been it's talking just... too long. So tell me about um, what's going on with you, JL. Uh, about... <laughs> <laughs> what, what I want to know from JL is to do, to do a pivot away from that, but not really. A, it is a great analogy. Adrian's uh, highlighting your analogy. <laughs> Condom over the ball sack. That is a good one. Oh. Uh, is Jay, how are you feeling about it as far as the legality of the postal service? Put your put your legal hat on. Oh, jeez. What, um, they're, what they're doing. I mean, you look, you and I have talked at, at length about voter suppression before. So this is just yeah. another plank as far as voter suppression. But the legality of we're just going to stop the voting, the voting, the, 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 US, the United States Postal Service. How is it not? Can no one challenge it? I don't understand. Hang on, can I, can I just catch up here before you start, Joel? Because obviously Post's very important for you because you need to re-elect democracy. Post's very important to me because I need to get sick vintage merch to all my fans in America. There you go. So well, are you telling me all your this shit is now affecting me? Yes, so all your shit should be shut down. down. I'm amazed. Because they shit anyway, USPS. If you're getting anything, I'm amazed right now. For four weeks at least. That, and that would, and this, what we're about to talk about, would be why. <laughs> and they just put the costs up as well. So now it costs twice as much to send yeah. anything to America. Yeah, they're fucking you. They're fucking us all. But you're fucking yourselves. Well... Let them know, JL. It's part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I wish I knew. I'm still. I still have to read today's paper. But obviously, I've been paying. I've been. I know that Trump is sabotaging the postal service. He basically said 
you know, they always say he said the quiet part out loud. There's no quiet part with Trump anymore. He was just like, they want to do mail-in voting. And if I don't fund them, they can't do mail-in voting. <laughs> like, like there, was no, there was absolutely no subtlety whatsoever to what he said. Right. And I think, um, I think they're going to put, I, I think the Democrats uh, are going to do some investigations into this. I don't, I don't know, obviously, I mean, it's pretty clear the way I'm talking about it. I don't know the, the ins and outs of this. Obviously, uh, it's morally indefensible. And I don't know if it's criminal. It has to be. It has to be some kind of... You would think. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, this is it's, it's also one of those things you don't think about. You don't think about like, well, what if the president decides to shut down the post office to win election? We probably don't have a clause in the Constitution for that because it was never perceived as what if an absolute evil scumbag gets elected and tries to destroy the very thing this document? They gave us impeachment. We tried that. It failed. Should he be impeached again and again? Yes. Uh, it won't happen because we're so close to an election. But you know, at this point, Donald, I mean, I expect Donald Trump in October. I, I think his ads, his campaign ads are going to turn into black.com videos at some point. Uh, I think that's the level of fear he's trying to in, inject in uh, angry white people in the suburbs. Uh, but he, I mean, he maybe he'll shoot somebody like before the election. I don't know. I also think that um, he he may have an interest now, another interest in not... Um, you know, beating back coronavirus because the more people who are afraid to go vote in person and thus can't vote by mail, the fewer votes there are. So if coronavirus, let's say, takes a positive turn in the next two months and he doesn't seem interested at all in doing anything about it. But if it does, then people might feel better about going and voting in person. And he doesn't want that either. So him sitting on his hands about the virus might be kind of a, a subtle part of his strategy. If he can win, if he can, if coronavirus can get a vaccine, like he plays, to, he's going to play to win or he's going to pull the starters. There's yeah. no, we're not going to fight this till the buzzer. Either we're going to win the game because we hit a, a, 30, a 30 point shot from half court when right. we get a vaccine or, a, or a, some sort of therapeutic, or he's going to pull the starters, namely the Postal Service and uh, anybody in his administration Mask who mandates. gives a fuck. Yeah, and he'll just go. Now you know we'll play this. We'll play this uh, in the courts uh, next time. There'll be a rematch. We lose game one. Uh, we'll come back for game two in twenty twenty one. Right. What do you think about? I would see. Um, Mike Way writes very eloquently about about things online, and he was saying that um, he feels like because Biden said somebody asked Biden, "Are you going to go after Trump?" and try to do pros prosecuting for all the malfeasance he's done. And Biden said no, because the, um, I guess the policy is you don't go after a president. This was set by Gerald Ford after Richard Nixon. You don't try to try a president after they leave office. So Mike's thing is like, yeah, we shouldn't do that because it's bad for democracy. And what happens when somebody else said, my thinking on that is, listen, the laws are supposed to apply from the king to the pawn. And if you fuck it up, and we know you fucked it up, then we're coming after you. Whether you are a president, and I, I don't like, I feel like we operate from positions of fear so much that I'm not going to go and do what I know to be the right thing because I'm afraid somebody's going to do it to me later 
as some sort of weird retribution. I don't give a fuck. Go get his ass. Yeah, you know? I don't mind Joe Biden. I understand Joe Biden, whether you agree or not, has run mostly on a, I want to get our country back to right. a place of decency and norms. Right. So it's fitting that if he did decide to like not federally prosecute Trump for things, it would be in keeping with how he has, it would be consistent with the theme of his campaign. That said, I hope the Manhattan DA's office um, is unleashed on Trump when he gets out of office. Well, she's coming. Um, uh, attorney, well, that's the Attorney General. Cyrus Vance right. is the DA. Right, right, They're right. the ones who were requesting the tax records right. uh, concerning how he, you know, and I think it might have been Ocasio-Cortez who brought this out of Michael Cohen when he testified that it's kind of commonly known that he basically lied about how much his buildings were worth when he was selling things and then for tax purposes would severely undervalue uh, the, 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 the worth of his properties, which is obviously very simple tax fraud and probably very easy to prove once they get all of his records. Um, I would love, I mean, to me. He once a charity um, bought a Tim T signed Tim Tebow right. helmet uh, for like 200 grand and then wrote it off as a, as a charitable deduction on his taxes. Right. He, yeah, they're not allowed yeah. to run a charity in New York <laughs> State anymore. Like, the, the, all these things yeah. would normally be stunning. I'm <laughs> totally, I would love it if he were prosecuted by everybody on the fucking planet and rotted in jail. Um, he's, I mean, he's unquestionably the worst president in American history, but he's also like, I mean, there's obviously worse people just statistically. Um, like out of the 330 million people um, in America, I'm sure there's somebody engaging in bestiality and pedophilia right, right now. <laughs> right. But, but he is one of our worst people. Like he is in the top 1% of worst I, human I, beings I, I our country's say, produced. I, I, I would say I don't think anyone in the history of a country has been directly responsible for more Mayhem. social unrest, de uh, deaths, population deaths. Um, yeah anxiety as a nation like sadness people being right. like having their lives destroyed right you know, that sort of collateral damage for any presidency i mean that's collateral damage for everyone in the world you're going to upset some people but i mean yeah. the scale I don't know if, if that's the kind of thing damage. that we can that's not the kind of thing that we can we can um legally take somebody down on although i agree with everything you just said his presidency is a an abomination it's not even He'll go down on something like Al Capone, on like, well, hopefully, like Al Capone on tax evasion. Yeah, tax evasion. Like, something it won't be like the that. thing that you think he'll go down for. I think right. there's so much but, he's done. But this is an so, it's an abom it's an abomination. It's just it's crazy. Oh, it's awful. How, how, it's so bad, for your how global bad it is, branding, man. Like honestly, it's it's so sad. I don't know. How, well, you guys honestly don't really care how the rest of the world views you from from what I gather while I was living there. That's, just, yeah. that's not true, <laughs> America. <laughs> does care how the rest of the world views them they say they don't they do that's not true america here's the, does here's the thing you, it only becomes it only becomes we don't care when somebody from another place doesn't like us then it's why well, i don't give a fuck I, I don't care that's some sour grace bullshit america cares a lot about how the rest of the world looks at us well because we like being seen as the leaders here's what i say exactly you're very good at, uh, at controlling the narrative of how the rest of the world sees America because no country has had a greater influence on popular culture than America right, since the right. 80s, right? MTV, people wanting to wear jeans, 
rap, everything, like everything that's come out of America, America took over the world, right, in the latter part of the 20th century. Um, and media, most importantly, media. So you mastered media and the art of giving people what you want them to see. And that happens on a very local level in America, you know, to a global level to what the rest of the world sees of America. Because you ask anyone around the world, what do you think of when you think of America? They're going to say one of three things, Hollywood, New York, or Washington, D.C. They forget about everything else. And so the three things that shocked me when I moved to America straight out of the gate was how much you guys um, love the military and that how, how front and center the military is in public consciousness and appreciation. And by that token, patriotism. So any patriotism is fervent, right? To the point of it's almost impossible to criticize a America. Brand, I'd say a brand of patriotism. That's sort of military might uh you know what i mean because i don't think when i when 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 you're the president is a traitor and that doesn't get your patriotism up it's mm. it's a one-sided uh mm. sort of patriotism it's not really about it's sort of about might it's it's i think the loyalty is to strength and might not necessarily to values and loy and and true loyalty okay here's the thing right so first night i was in america i was watching television and three commercials went on back to back. Well, two, two actually. One was for some sort of a drug, um, like some sort of a, I don't know, like a quit smoking drug or something. And you had to read all the dangers of the drug afterwards out loud. Like you have to do that in America. They don't have to do that anywhere else. So it was so bizarre for me to hear that, that like this may when you make you want to kill yourself. If it makes you want to kill yourself, please stop taking it. I was like, why would you even consider... Please don't kill yourself. <laughs> ...taking anything that like would make you be suicidal? Do you know how, what I'm talking about? The oh, yeah, loads. absolutely. Right, so that's bizarre. Um, the, next, the next commercial was for Budweiser, and it was Budweiser, proud sponsor of the U.S. military. And I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, how does that make sense? It's the official I, beer of Jarheads. <laughs> Budweiser. I, I, was, I was floored, right? Because I was so new. I Not mean, a pussy now. craft beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no mead. Fucking, who do you think we are? Fourth century minstrels? No, we're drinking Budweiser. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the main thing was the amount of shootings, right? So no one outside of the US hears about the amount of shootings that there are. And I'm talking about mass shootings, the, the amount of times there's multiple people mm -hmm. killed in a shooting. It's daily, right? And you guys don't realize how weird that is because you're numb to it now. But every single one of those in any other country would be a tragedy. But for you guys, it's completely normal. And, I, and, it's, and no one knows about it. It's like your dirty little secret. Right. You, right. Oh, it's I, not, I don't talk about that. I don't it's even like think the, it's a ugly cousin anymore. in it's like the ugly cousin in the in the in the attic. It's yeah, like, I don't even oh, think it's a, I don't there. think it's a secret but, anymore. I think it's it's out now. Well, I think it's almost like you know coronavirus deaths a thousand a day. It's we're, it's just a number. It's, it doesn't even register anymore. You know, it's right. just like I but I want to go to right. the store. You know, right. the they shooting thing as far as this country is concerned, and it's kind of cliche to say, but you know, Sandy Hook was was like the end. Like when, 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 when 20 first graders are blown apart by assault rifles and six teachers, security personnel, and we do 
nothing. And I remember I was on Facebook at the time, like a, a, probably a year or two later at an, maybe it was a year later, like an anniversary um, announcement or some speech and Obama teared up. And I remember somebody that had been following me on Facebook, you know, Mensch called those crocodile tears. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, wait, and this was sort of the delusion. I guess this should have been an early hint that Trump was possible because you had people who were so committed to sort of blind rage no matter what. I was like, so wait, you don't think it's possible that this politician that you don't like is talking about six-year-olds getting obliterated by military weapons and he might be upset about that? Like, you, you, your instinct is to go, <laughs> yeah, right, Obama. Like, yeah. And then I was like, holy shit, like that's a scary well, thought that like I mean, you don't even see that as sort of a, well, yeah, it's upsetting. I disagree with his gun policy, but of course, dead six-year-olds is upsetting. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, but then it, it, it's like the NRA will then come out and say, as, as sad as that was, let's all agree that guns aren't that bad, you know, and right. it's like, how, what world are you living in? This is normal. Like, it's America, baby. You got too many guns, man. Like, <laughs> it's not going to be a good thing when you have you an never have too many guns. You kidding you know? me? <laughs> if, if it was in London, we'd be, we'd be trying to stab each other with like sharp biros and pencils. <laughs> Pork, baby. You know? So, JL, you don't believe that uh, there can be anything legally done to. Oh, I'm not saying I don't believe. I just don't know. Like, I don't know. I haven't. You know, I've just been following it like the rest of people, but I haven't, you know, what do I think? I think when they investigate this, they're going to find that it was an abuse of power in the very least and that he should be impeached. Again, just like when he did nothing about Russia bounties on American troops, just like a, a dozen things he's done. The man should be out of office. Like, I, I, like if, I were in the, if I were in the house, which of course I'm not, I would, uh, first I would be yelling about people on Twitter accusing me of stealing comedy bits. Well, of course. And then, and then I would yield the rest of my time to somebody who would talk about um, how we should impeach him in uh, September. Just because. Just because every day he is, the way an active shooter is a, is a threat of a certain mm -hmm. level, Donald Trump is an active threat Every day he is in office. He is not like, oh, he had a bad week. He's, nope, he can fuck up the world. He can abuse his power and he will do it. And every day he's in office is a threat. I'm not saying threat like the way, you know, we had a black man in the office and that's not America. This is an attack. I'm talking this dude is literally a problem, like a, a constitutional, ethical, moral safety problem every day he lives in the white house right you know, when he said I, I i'd walk into the school with a school shooter in there it's like yeah man that's because it's you <laughs> you're the school shooter that's walking in like, yeah tanahasi my good friend Toss said that in an interview when they said donald trump didn't say anything about the cop having his knee on the neck of george floyd it's what is Donald Trump going to say he's the guy with the knee on the neck. Mm. <laughs> so what's he going to say? What I mean, can Donald he possibly Trump, say? Donald Trump was what, 21 years old already when civil rights movement passed in the States. You kind of already be a racist at that point. If you're growing up before the civil rights movement in that society with that privilege at that time, 
And, You're not going to change. A family of bad people. Like, yeah, they're a family no, of bad people. His family sucks too. It's not just like I'm old fashioned, but I grew. Like his his yeah. family sucks. So it's not even like, hey, time has changed him. It's like, no, no, they were hardened pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. think the one thing that might happen is he steals this election, but the Senate flips, and then there will be an impeachment. Uh, but then it's President Pence at that point, which is. Not ideal, obviously. Well, I personally think he's going to dump Pence, unfortunately for JL. Like right before the election? And he's going to grab Nikki Haley. That's what I think is going to happen. To get a woman? Or they've suggested the woman from North Dakota, who who I described on my uh, podcast as she looks like a 47-year-old divorcee who hit the soul cycle intensely after losing her man. So she she does present the kind of image that Trump would like, kind of a tall, nice-looking, well-put-together... Uh, a businesswoman almost. Right. Um, Nikki Haley, I can't, I can't have a vice president that sat behind me opening night in a Manhattan movie theater to see white boy Rick. I just don't <laughs> think that's presidential. <laughs> that is a true story, by the way. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It was the weirdest thing in the world because there was like security outside. And then I looked and I'll, I'll give her credit. I was like, is that Nikki Haley? Because she looks better than I thought Nikki Haley would look. And she just sat like two rows behind me with her with her parents to see White Boy White Rick Boy starring Rick? starring Matthew McConaughey opening night. <laughs> Why would she go see White Boy Rick? I don't know if her, her son was with her too. If it was just like, what movie do you want to see? Kind of thing. It was the most surreal thing. Just sitting there, and then like you know, the ambassador to the UN just strolls on by to sit behind you to watch <laughs> of White all- Boy Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go see White Boy Rick. That's what we need to see. What's I don't this get about? out to many movies, but uh, White Boy Rick is definitely high on my list. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Tanya was saying, you know, the, the New York City Police Benevolent Association endorsed Trump. I thought they already did. I don't. People were acting like that was a big deal today when it came out that the Benevolent Association, New York, police is that patrick lynch is that his his uh the lynch mob I, as it we might call be them? that it might be that dude but i was like i thought they already did endorse him why is that like a who cares well they want to make sure that now that it's a white irish catholic running they have to clarify uh, okay okay you know, like before a black guy or a woman it's like yeah obviously we're voting for the 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 racist new york guy right but now that it's uh uh you know joe biden kind Tanya of said it's lynch yeah the lynch mob is, in the chat room he is, uh, man, that guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there's a great article uh, in the New Yorker, last, the last issue, not this week's issue, but the previous one about police unions. I found it, uh, it's very good. Yeah. I, gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're the, I don't know how you feel about defund police, but I mean, you know where I'm at with police. I don't. The institution think, well, of policing is flawed. Therefore, there are no good police. That's just well, how it what is. I'd said. I said this two things I'll say on that. I think um, I do think it was I'm one of those people that I go, I understand the sentiment. I do think it would be nice if once in a while progressives could come up with a phrase that isn't sort of ready made to be put into campaign ads to scare anybody who's still on the fence and defund the police just it's a it's a bad i understand why you'd want a, a shocking phrase or a strong phrase but in an election year i would steer from that but what i what i said on my podcast is having been a prosecutor in the bronx and i'm an enlightened educated biracial man 
um, I had to be vigilant about the creeping prejudices that a job like that can create. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, having to be cognizant and aware, and I'm the type of person who can do that, where I go, wait, I got to take, take a minute and realize I'm looking at these folders of quote unquote, you know, alleged criminals, Sanchez, Vasquez, Diaz, Sanchez, Vasquez, Diaz, Gar- Gutierrez, Garcia. And you start to do that after a couple of years and you're just like, what is wrong with these people? Like I'm talking inner monologue. It's, it's, you're in a community that's obviously uh, very segregated and you're seeing only the worst cases. You're not a, a teacher. You're in the criminal justice system. So you're not seeing a cross section. You're getting people accused of crimes. That's it. That's all that comes across your desk. And after a while, you have to sort of check yourself. And that's why I don't always mock things if done right. When people say retraining or says, I know those things are, are buzzwords and largely kind of bullshit, but there needs to be a real co- like direct, strong, and constant effort to remake the way the system works and the way it can affect you can have a cop who joins the force at, at, at 21. His father was a, a cop. His grandfather was a cop. He, he's used the N-word uh, casually, uh, or he's a slight bigot, or he's an idiot, or whatever. That guy is going to come ready-made with prejudices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd hope you could weed people like that out, but you're never going to weed all of them out, even if you have good, a good process. I'm more concerned when I look at my, myself, almost like an experiment on myself. And I, by the way, I was a prosecutor, not a street cop. So imagine if I'm having those feelings of frustration. If you're on the street, always going to domestic violence calls, always dealing with stuff either you don't want to deal with or have to deal with or, da- or occasionally dangerous situations, it's, it's magnified. So I'm not saying there aren't bad cops from the get-go. But the process itself, unless you are rigorous in who you recruit, how you train, and how you do updates and monitoring for the mental health and the mental state and the the prejudices that make you bring to the job, but also that can develop on the job. And I don't think people want to put, because that you want to talk about, if you want to invest in police, you put less budget into military weaponry. Mm-hmm. and more into obviously social services, but also into real efforts to make them see the humanity and not, because it can happen. And I'm saying this to somebody, I never, I was never, you know, I, I want to be clear. I'm not somebody who was uh, going, flying off the handle and saying racist things or feel, like, but, but, but I noticed it. And I have the capacity as a smart, educated person from a, a, the background that I come from, and not dealing with the most dangerous aspects of law enforcement to check myself, to take mm-hmm. a minute, to reevaluate and to say, all right, you need a day off. You need to realize that this is the job. This isn't you. This isn't them. This is the job, the nature of the job. But if I'm, if I have to do that to, to, to stay on a, a righteous and good path, it, it is inevitable the way we do criminal justice that that will happen. You will have bad people turning racist or more racist, but you might have good cops gaining bias, gaining okay. negativity. So if, everything, you know, you just, everything you just said, everything you're saying endorses exactly what I have said repeatedly for years now, that the institution of policing 
and in this country that would be all of law enforcement is is in itself flawed yeah therefore when you join that institution you become flawed so you got two choices here you either stay in there and turn into this flawed human being who works this system or you leave that system yeah there's not really there's not really anything else to do with that you left that system you know that that should be the if you want to talk about kamala the i misheard her name kamala kamala the cop if you want to talk about that that's a stupid that's a that's a dumb buzzword talking point if you want to talk about something talk about the way the justice system is flawed in the, in its complete approach yes that's an actual honest thing to talk about it, how you work within the justice system because the justice system in and of itself is flawed in this country and the police yeah. are the police are the enforcement system on the enforcement arm of the justice system you know they're not there to protect and serve black and brown communities they're, they're there to contain and control them hence why you saw all those things on your desk of here's another one and here's another one assault yeah. robbery murder assault robbery murder rape assault robbery murder rape maybe you know or maybe you should take your ass over in these other communities and go see about what's happening well, over there and that of course do you, that that of course also speaks to the segregation that we have in our society, Within where, our society where, yes. where so that you could say, hey, these are criminals. I'm dealing with criminals. But it's also like, yes, and they've been ghettoized and yeah. segregated. Yeah. That's and the thing. Is, it's not just the police. It's right. not just the justice system. It's society is systemically mm -hmm. racist. Well, that's because the justice system is the enforcement arm of, of the society. That's oh, well, this is this is a chicken or egg. I think this is like a chicken or egg. Which came first, the racist people who wanted containment or the racist justice system? Well, no, you start. No, you start with the policies. You start with the racist policies first. And then you have to invent you have to invent a system to um, propel your policies forward. Yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah. Randolph, do you know this? Like in the history of American society has been weighted against the success of the ethnic communities, oh, absolutely African Americans, yeah. right? And the like you said, the um, the law enforcement and justice has been the cosh at the end of the arm, but the arm is the whole society. You right, know, it's, it's right, the right. lack of rights, like right, you know, right. human rights, not just you know right. legal rights and legal representation. But it's being put in communities through no fault of your own because you're you know pushed out because of rent prices because you know. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, even even after obviously emancipation, it became you know you're going to get arrested for committing a crime if you're black. Then you're going to get stuck in a chain gang. Oh look, you're a slave again, even though you're not technically a slave. You know, it's all weighted. It's mm -hmm. been weighted for people in minorities to fail in the mm -hmm. states. And all yeah. of those, all of those are based. All of those weighting, all that weighting is based upon. We're going to. I, I I need this thing to back up the policies that I have in mind. How do I take advantage of people? How do I get them back into slavery? <laughs> I've lost my slaves. I got to get back. Yeah. I, mean, I have a pot. I got to get back to this. So we're going to invent these rules. We're going to just start rounding people up and putting them back on the chain gangs. Boom, I got slaves again. And who do I have to do that? I'm going to invent a force of people to go get them. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's what you, I'm going to do. The, the, um, I read in that article in New Yorker, like one of the things that cops used to have to live in the five boroughs. And of course they could live in certain neighborhoods, but now they don't have to. 
right. which is just another, it's another, that's one little piece, but that right. just creates, it's another divide. It's another, you're not part of the community that you serve at all. You are just some outside, you're, you're a soldier going into occupied territory, mm-hmm. basically. And uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think we obviously need a new, a new way of policing for sure. But this country, we do big wars. We do, we do big wars, but we don't do anything else big anymore. Everything, war, there's never a war we can't do. There's no war too big that we can't fight. But there's, but they, right. But there's no uh, social program too small that we can't say is too big. Right. And we can't (laughs) say, and we'll literally say we can't do it. It's not even like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, to this or that. It's like, that's impossible to do. Well, that also go, that also goes back to the policy, which is, that's why the more I thought about the show black as fuck on Netflix, just the, just the little thing of, every episode being having something to do with, you know, this is about slavery, right? The title of every episode saying that, you know, this is about slavery, right? Once again, this is about slavery. It's because of slavery. Everything is because of that. All the policies flow from that. The, the, where you live, where you live, Chris, Andy and I have talked about this a great deal. You've never had to worry about healthcare. Imagine in this country, we talked about the thing of you can't just pick up as a young comic and move to another town yeah. because you may not have health care. You may not have dental care. You may not have health care. Well, that's another thing. I mean, like your whole yeah. insurance system and, and borrowing is another thing. But I just wanted to go back to me as a, you know, the epitome of white privilege being a, a white British man. And I, you know, have been learning to check my privilege a lot over the last 10 years, much more than when I was young. Because I've realized that growing up in the UK, they don't teach you that you are the bad guys globally. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. they don't teach us that we were, you know, a, you know, an empire that oppressed, you know, loads of nations. The, Everybody, the message, <laughs> literally, like, there's like you can, there's like a list that you can name like one hand of people that the British didn't fuck over or screw over, but. That's not taught to us. And so during this Black Lives Matter movement around the, the States, way, the way it's manifested here is that we, uh, as a society, are saying we deserve to be taught black history, black British history, as well as black world history, as well as our, the truth about our history in the world. Because you made us think that everyone loved us, but everyone does not love us, you know? Um, and... I need to remember that. And it's, it's been learning that recently that, you know, you, everyone sees their worldview through their own biases, whether they're here's conscious a, here's a or question for you. Here's a you question for you. Was that a shocking view for you to, to, to learn that? Well, did it shock you to your core to learn that? Oh, well, I, I don't like Randolph. Me. I grew up here. I always know. I've always known British people are assholes, right? Okay. That's why I tried to move out of the country as soon as possible. <laughs> okay. Right. That's why I tried to learn languages because we have such a bad reputation as tourists, let alone as like invaders of countries. That I was like, well, I want to live in a different country. I want to learn the language so people don't see me as just a typical Brit. You know, getting turning up on their front door, getting pissed, and wrecking their fucking house, which is basically what the British Empire was on a large scale, you know, it's just franchised racial destruction. Right. Um, and you guys needed so, spices, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, man, you need you need to be able to make that apple pie, bro. Where are you going to get cinnamon otherwise? I mean, I think it's the thing about white Americans, male or female, is when they find out how. I mean, I can say black people like we're like we really don't like y'all. <laughs> when, yeah, when, yeah. When that is found out, that is like yeah. shocking. Yeah. To the, I mean, to the core, like so, you don't like me? No, not really. White what people think done? that white people it's think like, that they're the only ones holding back their thoughts on racial stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we we don't understand that uh, when when people say let's when when Obama had that race speech. Yeah. And it was like, let's talk openly and honestly about race. And then all these guys on like Fox News, the Bill O'Reilly types, like, okay, you want to talk about race? Where's your fathers <laughs> in the homes? You know, so they just use it as a launching pad for all their bigotry. Yeah. And they thought they were the only ones who weren't honestly talking about race. And then you started hearing through like social media and also things that made it to like mainstream news, you started hearing people from other backgrounds just coming out and saying, uh, you know, straight white men are a problem. Here's 10 reasons why, or just yeah. white people are a problem. And white people clutched their pearls when they heard that. And they're like, what do you, what do you? meanwhile, this is the same conversation has been happening in the barbershop for decades, you know, but out in the open that hadn't happened. And I think a lot of white people, the, you know, the Bill O'Reilly types or whatever, didn't realize that other people weren't whole, were holding back also how they felt about whiteness. And that's, what's going on now is, people are just coming out and saying stuff that they've been coding in the past and you could sort of gloss over it. And I always think about how much of adult life is spent unlearning. It's all, it's a lot harder to unlearn than it is to learn. I mean, people mm -hmm. think, Oh, you go to school, you got a degree, you got to work hard and, and learn shit. It's way harder to unlearn some shit you were indoctrinated into your whole childhood yeah. before you had reached the age of reason and learned to think critically and people resist unlearning. They just resist it. They just put out that stiff arm and say, no, no, that's not what happened. Heisman. Go right back to their comfort, you know? Because it's hard. It's hard to Jail, you harder. often say, yeah. you often talk about, you know, being a um, somebody with a black father who presents as a white man. Right. The shitty, <laughs> shitty, Andy's talked about it too, but I don't think it Only a little resonate bit. quite with Andy the way it would with you. Just the shitty stuff you hear people saying around you. Yeah. So I can't imagine working in law enforcement, just the hellacious shit you had to listen to. Well, the, the funny thing is, though, law enforcement is more diverse than people. Like, in other words, I'm well, not, I know it is, but the system yeah, isn't. Of course. But I'm saying I never heard. I wasn't around enough white cops by themselves, okay. maybe, to sort of hear, yeah. like, you know what I'm, you know, these. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you weren't, I, you weren't I had, white enough to get in the gang. They pulled out like a swatch <laughs> pad. They're like, okay, like, what color is Possibly no, Latin. Possibly Latin. Possibly, yeah. There's a little too much possibilities about you. No, what is I he, Albanian? What is he, Serbian? Yeah. <laughs> my, my experiences were more, I remember this one cop, he had Polaroids of all the women he was sleeping with in his cop locker. So he showed me a photo of the, you know, like a, like a his, tapestry. His photo array. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of all the booties that they had posed for. And it was Polaroid. So I, I'm sure he's only thrived in the age of a digital camera now because it was all Polaroids in his, uh, 
in his locker. It's hard. It's hard to sneak a picture with a Polaroid camera. <laughs> oh no, they were all that. Yeah, exactly. These were you knew they were consensual because it's yeah. like, well, she's looking back at you posing for a Polaroid. There's and no the way you did that. The flash is loud sneaking. as hell on a Polaroid. You, you, shake you have it to have a flash seconds. every time. Yeah. It's loud <laughs> as shit. <laughs> the shaking really kills the mood. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, I'll just do it with my cock as well. At the same time, I'll be up as well as the same time as the Polaroid. It's a coordinated <laughs> effort. But yeah, it's I've heard I've heard tons of uh, comments and and you know a lot of the comments will be the type of comments where I go and I've said this on my show before where I go my option is to let it slide and just remember it or to ruin like this event that we're at or like this gathering of friends and friends of friends and to be like hey man what the fuck and then all of a sudden it's awkward and. It's it's a calculus I've had to do many times where I go, is that where like fuck it? I'll just I'll keep that in the back of my head and remember this person. But it's just you you the that's casual the same, that's, comments. The, that's the same theory to taking photos during sex. You know, should I ruin the moment now? <laughs> should I just try and remember it for later? I mean, I'm around a group of people, it might make it weird. Well, it's, it's comments like they, they, they all stick in my head. I remember walking in with a buddy and some of his friends and some girls that were them. And this is many, if several years ago, but like the, we go in and my friend tells me he heard one of the girls, white girls say, oh, it's kind of dark in here. But it, it was like code. And I was like, ew. And yeah. I'm just like, lucky I have nothing to do with this girl. But I'm like, that's such a comfort level. And I don't, like, it's like, it's kind of dark in here, meaning there's too many black people. And I was like, eh, just say the N word at that. Like, just say, just say it. Like, just say there's too many black people. Like to me, there's not like you, you have, you have not softened the comment at all. Like the sentiment is a hundred percent the same. Like anyway, I just tons of comments like that. I mean, I remember in college, my teammates, the most awkward moment was when an uncle, and these are the shits that I've, I've, I've let slide because, you know, my family background is, you know, blue collar Irish and Haitian immigrants. So there's a real clash of cultures. And I've heard comments that I just go, yeah, I'm used to sort of doing a calculus of, is this somebody without the language of political correctness or without decency and it's sometimes a combination those, of both no 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 but i'm saying sometimes you go yeah some some guy might like like i'm going to use the word oriental as an example yes if i heard oriental in 2020 i'd be like okay i think the message should have gotten through but 20 years ago if i heard like my 65 year old assistant coach in western massachusetts say oriental not as a joke but like actually trying to describe someone who's asian i wouldn't immediately be like uh, we're going to have to talk to administration about <laughs> this because I'd be like, I get this guy is not saying anything bad. He's using the wrong word, but I'm not, I'm not interpreting it as like, this is somebody with hate in his heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's, but, but I had a, a, an uncle of a guy on my team say, <laughs> it was so awkward, but it was way more awkward for all of my teammates than it was me because it was their first time hearing a comment like this and my 45th. But he said to me, he's like, that fucking dunk at the end of the game, man, you dunked it like a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> like and my was, dad, like my dad would have. <laughs> and it was so awkward. 
but I almost felt bad for him. I didn't feel bad for myself because I'm like, on a scale of comments, what like that's a two out of ten at best. Like, but for my teammates, they were like, oh my God, what the fuck was that? And I was like, <laughs> it was weird, but if I had reacted in a in a weird or defiant way, the the feeling of embarrassment, and I know I'm protect. This is what I guess people say when they say protecting, uh, you know, white people's feelings or something. It would have been disproportionate. He would have been humiliated if I just pointed out that I was half black, <laughs> and I didn't think it required humiliation. And there was no di- there was no middle ground. It wasn't going to be like, eh, you know, I'm half black. It was, oh, cool, all right. No, he would have been like, oh shit. <laughs> and then it would have been like, that's nah, fine. It's so fine. Did but he you know, mean that? Was that as a complimentary about the dunk? Yes, that's how he meant it. He meant yeah. it. Yeah. No, he meant I dunked it very lazily. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then I would have said something. No, but he meant it. He meant it like, oh man, I didn't think a white dude yeah. would get yeah, a white like dude that. Could bring it it's like, like that. Jason Williams being called white chocolate. Yes. <laughs> yes. If if it's Jason Williams were ha- if if Jason Williams well I call, I told people at the Cleveland Improv to call me Vanilla Coke. That would be my that would be my uh, my stage name for the weekend. <laughs> Do you have that thing in you where you find yourself uh, wanting to give white men the benefit of the doubt? This has been coming up a lot for me because Bomani, not all not Bomani all Jones pointed it out. He was the first one to really start leading that charge as far as that white men automatically get the benefit of the doubt no matter what. I don't. I think what I do as far as benefit of the doubt is I'm sure I have personal biases based on my own life okay. where, I, where someone might get the benefit of the doubt, but uh, generally the, the wife jumped in oh, before I was able to finish, but <laughs> oh, oh, well you gave her the benefit of the doubt. Didn't you? You let her well, just jump I, in. Well, it's a couple of things happening with that one. She lets me have sex with her. So that's going to let you, that's going to get, <laughs> that's always going to win. Sure. <laughs> Usually <laughs> just like where, where you jump in before she can finish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no Polaroids, though. Uh, but I, I was going to say, I don't really think, and maybe it's maybe Trump has been helpful in this. I find myself, I don't give people the benefit. I rarely give people benefit of the doubt, at least in my mind. I may not try to start an argument or, or something, but in my head, I feel like I'm pretty good at judging Oh, okay. So you make can you make disgusting comments, or you make gross comments. I now well, know who you are. Him saying that made me think about. You know, that's the uh, to me. Everything he's seeing is, you know, white men always get the benefit of the doubt. He was speaking on it on a case of, let's say, the coach from Oklahoma who was like, um, you know, you're taking pictures with with that OAN you know, news, news station and stuff like that. And then you say, I didn't know anything about him. Everybody's like, Oh, of course you didn't. I'm like, well, that's, that's not true. Of course he, that's right. why he did. You're just giving him the benefit of the doubt because he's a white guy. You always give the benefit of the doubt. Now here's the thing. Me as a, me as a black man, Gandhi, thank you, Jane, in the chat room, me as a black, black man, black person, I give no one the benefit of the doubt. I mean, no one gets the benefit of the doubt in my mind. I'm like, I may not say it out loud, but I'm waiting on you to prove me wrong. I can tell you that shit. I'm just. Well, I'm I live just my a, life too. I just assume that you're that you're full of shit and prove me wrong. You know, I just don't say it out loud. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I have years of. 
I have years of evidence, not even my own evidence, evidence way before me leading up to this that would be like, well, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. I've seen enough shitty behavior to be like, well, yeah, that's going to happen. Of course that's happening. I think Rock did a great joke about it. Like if, if something, if somebody white does something shitty to you as a black person and you didn't see it coming, that shit's on you at, huh. <laughs> at that point. I think that was, that was the gist of that joke, you know, that you didn't see it coming from no matter how sweet they are. you like, you didn't, you didn't see it coming. You know, I think that's the main, right. The, that's a big difference in, in mindset and where you come from. As Chris was saying about, you know, the, the British, they don't see it. They're like, right. Here's a good example. So my, um, my dad, who's not racist at all, mm-hmm. um, you know, is my, my wife is black. Um, it's exactly what the son of a racist guy would say. <laughs> and the only reason I married her. So I can say the N word on a daily basis. Well, no, um, here's the thing, like you're allowed to not know things about, you know, anything, you know, um, it behooves you to try and learn if you want to, and if it makes sense for the life that you want to live, you know, that's up to whoever, whether they want to learn something. If that guy that said that to you, um, when you were playing basketball, this day and age saw the Black Lives Matter process about, wow, I've actually said some pretty problematic things in my past. Maybe I can do better. Maybe I can learn. Then fine. Good on him. I do think people are able to do that. I certainly have, like, tried to educate myself further, you know, ever since basically being in the States um, about things that I knew nothing about before. Um, and I say, say that only to say that once when I brought my black friend from school home, my dad just trying to make conversation, you know, just goes, uh, so Demola, how come you don't see any black people skiing? <laughs> and it's like, of all things. Uh, yeah. And it's like, not a dumb question, but clearly stupid and problematic. And like, other, like, you know, a othering be like bringing in like a massive, huge judgment about like what people do with their time. <laughs> And it was mortifying for, for me, even at the time. And I realized that and I was like 13. And obviously it was terrible for him because, you know, he was black and had grown up around, you know, white people saying stupid things around him. Right. And, um, and at the time, I remember feeling very embarrassed. But as I've grown up and I've seen like how he's tried to learn more and I've learned more, it's like, well, it's kind of like your basketball coach. It's like he wasn't saying anything that he thought was wrong, you know, but he just didn't know that it was, you know, it was just the wrongness. The wrongness is built into the slavery of the system, the slavery. Well, it's, it's all slavery. No, no, (laughs) the wrongness is built into the racism of the system that you come. There you go. Remember, this is is coming from white privilege, right? This is coming from British white man privilege. Right. 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 It is, uh, it is, it is a, it is a wrong thing to say. It is wrong. But yeah, the wrongness isn't rooted in I'm, I, uh, like if you if you rob somebody, you rape somebody, you know that shit is you know that you know that shit is wrong. You just don't give a fuck. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. But if you accidentally walk out of a store mm. with some shit, well, you did wrong. You didn't mean to do it. Mm. You know. What but I mean? here's but the three levels I'd say. Just in the example I gave with Oriental, I would say there's three levels. There's the guy who says it. And then you say, oh, you know, we're not saying that anymore. It goes, oh, I'm sorry. Like, what? I didn't know. What do I, yeah. what, what's the right thing? Yeah. What That's one do? level. 
The yeah. next level up is you say it and then you go, oh, come on. You know, I didn't mean anything. I'm right. just saying yeah, a little bit of defensiveness. A little bit the, a little defensive there, buddy. What's wrong? Then, <laughs> then the third level is the guy, the, I call these guys the, the MAGA, the, the, the leaders of the MAGA. You correct them and they go, Oriental, Oriental, Oriental. <laughs> right. What? <laughs> right. And there's a lot more of those in this country than I thought. I always thought we right. were maybe at the more of the tier two, the come on, man. And there's plenty of those too. They're called stand up comedians. Well, you, but you, tier three is like there's a lot, I, there's a lot more. Like I feel like to vote for Trump, you've got to be a tier three. Well, also, least, there's the there's, or there's, there's a tier, tier four, which is the uh, you call them uh, uh, the C word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and move on with your day. That's the tier four. <laughs> There's also tier two that try to make you feel bad about you making them feel bad that they use. So they're like, well, I can't say Asian because people from India and Pakistan are Asian. So I wanted yeah. you to know that yeah, I'm you, in a specific you still type. still could of say Asian. Asian. <laughs> I would get it if you said Asian. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that's them so, just trying to then outsmart. You know. You know. Exactly. It's like yeah. I've got a whole other epithet for those guys. You know, that's <laughs> Racism, jujitsu—they take your positive energy and try to turn it back on you. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't see. Okay, so as far as us, like I don't see us getting out of this anytime soon. As you were saying, JL, is all these people now that you didn't realize that? I think that's. I think that's. I think that's more about you not being into the deep into the world of blackness. Let's say like as a black person, you're like, well, of course they're like this. We've been, so we've been seeing them. Right. <laughs> you know, we've been telling y'all, you know what I mean? But unless you, unless you see it, then, you know, I don't see, I call it the Homer Simpson. What happens when Trump is gone? Are those people just supposed to fade back into the bushes? <laughs> you know, what's going to happen in, in Britain when Boris Johnson is gone, how long has he got before he's out? What's well, going to happen now that you guys are out of the union? Well, here's the thing. What happens um, to y'all? Here's the thing that Sharice loved when she heard it for the first time. It's like, we can just, as a British public, we can just call a general election whenever we get tired of our leader. We don't have oh, to shit. wait a certain amount of time. Why aren't y'all doing that all, every, all the time? But, I mean, that's what <laughs> did happen. Last few years, you had like, you know, Cameron, then May, now Johnson, all part of the same government. But we were like, no, we don't like you. Go away. <laughs> Give us your next best. It's like, no, that was even worse. Give us your next best. And now we're stuck with Boris. And we're like, man, we should have stuck with door number one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think is what do you see as y'all's end game? Like I say, you're out of the union now, right? Are you out of the union? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, in theory, but that was very quickly forgotten in the spate of the pandemic. It's like, right? It, it, it was the pandemic was kind of like, oh, you thought you had bad news all the time? Hold my beer, you know? Yeah. Come along with. At least you could go out and moan about Brexit, you know? Yeah. Like, um, I don't know, man. I mean, hopefully, a great trade deal with the US, which allows my shipping costs. <laughs> really? A good trade deal with, with the US? You service. better pray Trump don't get reelected then. <laughs> we're just going to be like those two guys in school that, you know, were popular initially, but then alienated everyone by making fun of them. And now we just sit alone quietly at our own table and everyone makes fun <laughs> of us. We already do that. <laughs> yeah. And then you try and make yourself feel better by making fun of us. And we secretly sit there like muttering comments about you behind your back. You know, that's basically what it is. It's school. 
JL, what do you think the end game is for us? Um, don't and, and get away from optimism. Just what do you think? Yeah. You're an educated guy. You've been watching. What do you think? What do I think? <laughs> At this point, get away from optimism during the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, JL, has, people don't understand this about JL. JL does have a little bit of an optimistic streak. It's all that churching he does. He does have a little bit of a people – People will understand. Jail does ch- have a little bit ch- of that. The churching and the uh, and seventeen years in stand up. It may have been unpleasant, but to keep doing it, you've got to believe somewhere right. in there that right. there's hope. Uh, I when you said when you told me to to check my optimism, I thought to myself, my first instinct was violence. <laughs> Do you um, think violence that, that there's going to be violence? Um, I. It's weird because a, a, a conservative, he works for Fox now, funny guy, but, but, but really just kept going further and further down from the kind of Long Island Republican into the almost MAGA Republican. Uh, he, but I remember when I wrote on Facebook in 2016, if Hillary Clinton gets elected, I'd be afraid she's going to get assassinated. I didn't say that like as some flippant, you know, cliche type line, even though it's not a cliche. I really thought there was a, a real scary element to Trump's support. And then obviously that guy, Caesar Syok, or I think was his name, sent yeah. like pipe yeah. bombs to like 10 different people. And I am nervous because to me, Joe Biden is such an agreement on the part of the Democratic Party in all its coalitions. Not everybody agreed, but it was basically sort of an agreement to say, look, we get it, angry white people who are scared. We're giving you our center-left white working-class grandfather. If you can't, if you can't see that as a bridge, as a as an olive branch to come back to the normal world, then you're lost. And I think you're going to see about 60 million lost Americans in this election, and that's a lot of fucking people, and they have guns. And this isn't me saying paranoid, like civil, I'm not talking civil war, but I'm talking, are there going to be incidents of violence? Yes, I think there are. I think if, I think there. You're already having incidents of violence. But I mean, I I don't mean like, I mean, mean it's going to take, it's going to take COVID's place as sort of the big story. I don't mean hundreds of thousands dead, but I think, I do think there's going to be a lot. It's, it's. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm, I am very nervous because I think between the conspiracy theory people who are gaining sort of strength and a platform and now have a congressman to be in Georgia, it's, um, I'm, I am genuinely nervous. Uh, I would like, what I would like to happen, if I can speak optimistically slightly, is for a prioritization of voting rights and election reform. Simple things that make sense. Election day, holiday switch to the popular vote, uh, make D.C. and Puerto Rico states. Now, the Republicans, those are all like, to me, very basic, normal sounding things in 2020. The Republicans understand and they say it out loud. They say, if you let D.C. and Puerto Rico become states, you'll never have a Republican Senate. They are against the people deciding. They don't like the majority of their country. So they want minority rule through gimmicks. They're not going to make it necessarily in a, you know, an apartheid state uh, explicitly, but they want gimmicks and fudging the rules and you know, all these little things to make 
so they don't lose their power or at least their, uh, their chance at power. But if, if everybody could vote by mail, if DC and Puerto Rico were states with two senators each, and you know, we made election day a holiday and automatic voter registration, and we cut out uh, Citizens United so that companies couldn't flood these super PACs with, with bullshit ads, you'd be looking at a long-term democratic state for this country, um, which I think would be a good thing. Uh, but there are enough people in power right now who won't let that, who don't want that to happen. Right. Right. And I, I agree with that. I mean, we see it. We see it. The, what I don't like is that what I say don't like, what really upsets me is that we all see it happening. For instance, with the, with the vote, with the, postal service and everything we see what's happening you see it happening right in front of you we just don't you know john roberts basically gutting the voting rights that you you know why all this is happening and and we will we will lie to ourselves we'll say george bush is a good guy well george bush put him in place to gut the voting rights act to see to it that republicans stay in power that's why he did that so no he george bush is not a good guy he's just not have you seen his paintings though I uh, know. <laughs> I mean, you know, better than Hitler, at least on one yeah. count. Yeah, he's that's just that's on his business card. Yeah, that's we look at, we better, look at Donald, better than Hitler at least one thing. We look at Donald Trump and say, well, he's he's the he's the bet. No, he's not. He's just the he's just the the natural progression of what they've been doing now for I don't know how many years you think it's been jail 50, 40? I recommend Rick 50, Perlstein. 64. Books. So at least since 64, yeah. since the start of the realignment. So from 64 it's, to now, he's just it's, a. It's until you guys got it off us and started fucking it up. Yeah, well. You should have let us keep it. We had experience <laughs> managing large nations overseas. We were creating money, jobs, wealth, but no, you have to have your. Well, you wanted to end slavery. Well, I think what can't I can't have say, that. What I would say is, you, you say Trump is the extension. I think Trump is, now they're all behind him now out of just fear and, and, and shittiness. I don't think they, I feel like Trump is like the equivalent of what happened in the Terminator movies, where it's like, we're making this technology, and then one day the oh, technology got out of control absolutely. and turned on us. And oh. Trump is sort of that. It's not that he was the design, yeah, but he was the, he was the, He's what happens when you, when you risk this disgusting sort of race-based minority political rule sort of oligarchy system. That's what can happen. Yep. Somebody, a, a weapon can develop that was not in your design, but is an extension of the pattern you set. And then they just had to, you know, a few of them got obliterated when they said no. And then everybody else was like, okay, we're on board. We just want to yep. stay in power. And will violate everything we ever we ever said yeah. or pretended to believe in. And it started at 64. Don't let anybody tell you that lie. Like, there was no political realignment. The oh, yes, Democrats there was. started the KKK. They yes, won't, they, they did. They won't tell you that in school. <laughs> and I'm always like, yeah, they will. Yeah, they did, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, you know the parties. In, if you go to a regular school with history, you will be like, I remember reading that in school going, Democrats? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Because they were the fucking slave party at the time. And it changed. Like I always say, 
is there anybody in Cleveland celebrating Ray Lewis's Super Bowl title? No, because it's right. a different team now. You know what I mean? There's nobody in Cleveland rooting for Lamar Jackson because 30 years ago, that was actually the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't, want, they don't want to hear it. <laughs> they don't want to hear it because that, that destroys the narrative. You know, I'm reading Eddie Glaude's book. I think you'd like that, JL. Begin again. Okay. His his um, it's it's really his thoughts on on Baldwin's history and how the thoughts of Baldwin relate to delay. And he just calls it the lie. It's everything in in this country is in is in uh is to propagate the lie of this country. The lie of this country was built on from the very beginning. All men are created equal. That's a lie. Well, imagine <laughs> imagine thinking you're a senator in the U.S. Senate and you have to dedicate speaking time to making to trying to pass a law that the 1619 project is not taught in schools. Right. Right. Like imagine imagine be feeling that threatened by a New York Times project that like you you feel like you have to. And these are by the way the free speech. These yeah, are the free right. speech and no Common Core no common standards people that want to criminalize or forbid teaching. It's insane. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Um, I, I just, like I said, I remember learning it and being like, what the Democrats like, but that's what happens when you're just taught. And I went to a private again, school again. in New York city. So, you know, maybe I was just getting a super liberal biased education of, of what happened. You, abso um, you, absolutely, of, you absolutely were. You should have been in a church school getting some good church learning <laughs> and not that, that, not that goddamn Catholic schooling. No, no, not Catholic. Private school with, with lots of Jewish kids. So not even that. You need to get down south and get you some of this good evangelical learning. Yeah, it's not illegal. <laughs> it's, so, it's so strange. I always, whenever I want to joke, whenever I see some of those people like hardcore Trump supporters, I, I try to come up with the longest possible name for a college I can. Like, I went to North Carolina Baptist Tech State University Junior College. <laughs> like, just throw every, every, every word that's and ever bar been grill. <laughs> bar and grill. Every Sunday they go to the Mount Holyoke, go tell them on the Mountain Church of, uh, church of God and Jesus. <laughs> well, that's the thing I'm wondering too about this era of receipts is because I think a lot of these Trump people are going to try their own fate into the bushes. The ones who have, you know, now, now taken jobs on news networks are the people who late, are more man. vocal. And in, in the past, that's been the way it's done. You know, you come out a little bit further to the right or left than you normally would be. And then you sort of get more moderate once everything's over and people accept you back into the fold. And now I don't know that that's possible. I think for a lot of them, they're going to, it's too everything they've said and done is too public. You kind of but, wish it was like that scene at the end of Inglorious Bastards, you know, where <laughs> Sean Spicer's just being held down and having like a like a MAGA like tattooed onto his forehead with right. like a knife. You know, Brad Pitt's like, you know, you get to Carnegie Hall, don't you? Practice, you know, just like it's Kellyanne late, Conway MAGA with the knife. <laughs> well, the problem is there's there's the problem is there are homes for those people like. CNN and MSNBC doesn't play that, but, but CNN tries to occupy this sort of middle space where it's like, we have three Democrat consultants and three Republicans. I genuinely think the, the Trump people need to be shunned. I, I cannot, you cannot hire these people. They, it is not just, it's not, they weren't consultants for Mitt Romney's 2012 campaign. They enabled the worst president, a historic, I, I've always said this, 
for several years now, Trump is on the Mount Rushmore of American shames to me. It is slavery, Jim Crow, Native American genocide, Trump. And when people try to say, what about the internment of the Japanese in World War II? I go, if, if Roosevelt had campaigned on locking up Japanese people, I'd say, <laughs> fine. It was premeditated. But we are, and I'm, of course it was horrible, but it was also a legitimate world war, paranoia. It was not premeditated. It was awful. Of course it was awful. But Trump was a premeditated vessel of, of, of stupidity and bigotry. And Didn't he inquire about getting actually on Mount Rushmore recently? Yes, he did. Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. And there are people who think about that and go, I mean, I've had people on Common Threads go, it's good to have a president who finds, like, we've never had a president who loved America this much. And I'm always laughing going, so y'all aren't even like, even Reagan's a bitch to you. I don't get like, <laughs> even Reagan's like a punk poser compared to Trump to these people forgetting and and now he's gone on this i love i it's so funny with trump that you know i would i would say i've done more for african americans than any, anybody <laughs> except maybe lincoln i love the except maybe lincoln right that's that's awesome that he just for you know, emancipation and hmm. getting assassinated he's still not willing to give him the posthumous award for it's greatest debatable. president it's, it's debatable <laughs> It's still up for debate. I mean, some people say yeah. a lot of people are yeah. saying, oh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have sat in that. Th I would have had my back to the wall in the theater, you know, which idiot doesn't sit with a back to the wall. Eyeing I up don't the even to be honest, I don't even like plays. I think it's I like movies. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't have even been sort of weak enough to go to a theater <laughs> to watch some sort of actors doing sort of bad movies. <laughs> yeah. What always Four makes you, what always uh, what I find interesting about the way you shit. talk uh, what I find interesting about the way you talk, Mr. President, is how you always say to be honest, as if somebody thinks you're not telling the truth. Like it's always to be honest. Well, it's not just to be honest. Sometimes I say I'm about to say a lie, or I just said a lie. I go, uh, as you know, I have a huge penis. You know, as you know. So, and then I don't let you reply. So it just lingers there, like you can you. You're confirming that fact. What about all the As people? You know. What about all the, the people? What about all the people? You know, all the people who are saying. What about all those people? Would they? Oh, you know what? As president, okay, I have obviously top talent, and we've put many people. A lot of people say, you know, we're hearing it from many different people. Not, and by the way, not just people that work for me. Uh, the Washington Post normally doesn't like me. They had an article in there written by somebody who works for me, but I'm calling it an article instead of an opinion piece. You know, they have articles that speak very nicely to me, so it's a total disaster, mail-in voting. It's, a, it's, a, it's called fraud. Is it fraud? Is it, is it, are people saying it's a fraud or just you saying that? No, I think so. I think a lot of people are actually saying it's, it's, oh, okay. it's a total fraud. It's a complete, except for Florida, where I'm doing mail-in voting there. Except, except where you vote. They've done it very strongly. Oh, okay. So it's okay. But with all the COVID and stuff down there, it's 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 fine. You don't. No, they're very. They, you know, Ron DeSantis, as you know, is a very smart and talented governor, and he uh. has totally controlled. Not like everywhere, it's been a, a disaster. It's been Democrat governors. It's been very failed, extra liberal sort of people. But DeSantis and Kemp, the two people who love me very strongly, they've done such a good job with it. They have done, I think, probably the best job in the whole country. Well, how do you, what about Texas? So you think they're doing, I mean, the numbers are going up 
in well, like, like Texas. Uh, all those, uh, any place that has a Republican governor, you know, the numbers. Well, because we're testing so much better. Because oh, we okay. test so much better. And I will say this, unlike the great Kemp and, uh, and DeSantis, who are strong, uh, Abbott, okay, not Costello, but Abbott in Texas, <laughs> he, I'm not a huge, you know, he started backing off and I realized it's because he's in a wheelchair. So he's sort of a weak Republican. You know, FDR was in a wheelchair also and kind of a weak Democrat. Oh, okay. So I think Abbott is sort of not strong enough, you know, to to sort of be a tough Republican. Are you saying him being in a wheelchair? I mean, you know he broke his back, and that's why he's in a wheelchair. Him being in a wheelchair makes him weak? Is that what we're... Well, uh, my back never broke. You know, I'm very very strong. So my back, you know, is very tough. JFK had a bad back. Well, exactly. You have these, you know, and he, oh, look what happened to him. That's what happens when you're weak. But okay. nobody, you know, uh. none of that's happened to me. And, uh, you know, str- very strong back. Uh, you know, my doctor sent me a note. He said, you have the most powerful back I've ever seen. Your doctor sent you that note. <laughs> Is this the same doctor who said that your weight was fine, Mr. President? Six five two twenty. <laughs> six five two twenty. Is that was that what we're claiming now? Six five two twenty. No, you, I'll show you the I'll show you the note. Six five two twenty. That's, that's you know that's pro, that's the same proportions as the rock. Yeah, that's like a professional athlete. Six five two twenty. Well, you said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> I mean, I gotta, I'll, I'll take. Believe me, I'll take it. I'll take. I mean, it. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say, Mr. President, I don't. When I look at you, I don't see professional athlete. I gotta. Well, it's because I'm, you know, as the kids say, and you're, you're an African American, so I think you've heard the term "thick," you know, when they spell it correctly with the two C's. That's sort of how the people call me. Oh, is that oh, okay? All, all right. Um, you whew. play a lot of golf too. You're a good golfer. You get out a lot. No, you know, and well, to be honest, with the COVID, I've had to cut back only nine holes a day because you know <laughs> they've got me in the office doing all this work, but. No, I'm still getting out there and doing, uh, you know, powerful golf. Still getting your golf. You're still getting your golf game in. As people are dying in hospitals, you're still getting your playing with Brett Favre the other day. That was a good. You look. did play with Brett Favre. Well, you know, now I that's to... now that's a professional looking athlete right there. That's a guy. I had, I, had, I had to talk to Brett Favre because, as you know, <laughs> maybe you don't know, but he called Colin Kaepernick a hero, and I said we need to talk to Brett Favre and make sure that was a mistake or fake news. You know, he's from Mississippi. That's a great Trump state. So I can't have ah. a great Mississippi quarterback you saying know, that Colin uh, Kaepernick is a hero. Uh, you know, there's a there's a good song about Mississippi. Speaking of you call it a great state, it's called uh, Mississippi Goddamn. That's uh, a great, great song that I that I love about Mississippi. Since you said it's a great state. Oh, well, you know, we'll check. We'll, we'll listen to it. We'll find out. I don't know if you want to listen to it. The the lead singer, the the woman who sings, it's an African American. She was, well, no, you know, I had, uh, well, there were, you know, I, there was, there's some African, you know, I have great relationships with, you know, African and African American women, especially. So, uh. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, as long as she's not a nasty one, I'd be, you know, we we all we're all open, we're all open to all music. I mean, okay, if, if music. you were to talk to Nina Simone, I don't, I don't think that she would, you know care for you well well tell her you know what well you you probably know her right i assume you know her so maybe you could send <laughs> her over you could arrange a meeting and uh, we'll be happy to talk to to nina simon why have you not spoken about 
your your good friend Herman Cain passing away. I haven't heard you. Oh. Herman Cain, black guy, ran for the presidency against you. You became really good friends with him. Oh, pizza, pizza, the, the pizza delivery guy, the black who would bring the pizzas to the meetings. No, he was very, we liked him. I don't was, know if, if he brought, did you make him bring pizzas to the meetings? Is that what you're saying? Well, he always said this. He said he was a CEO, and I said, that was a good one, Herman, but please bring the pizzas in. And we would tip him. We would tip, tip him very strongly. And uh, no, we miss him. He was, you know, but I told him, I told everybody, as you know, very strongly, I said, we have to wear masks. You've got to wear masks. And he chose not to. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But You told everybody to do that at, at your rally. You told if, people. If that. you look, if you watch, excuse me, if you watch the tapes, you'll see that I did very powerful recommendations from as I said, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But I said, you know, you've seen it from the beginning. I've been saying we got to do the masks. It was Fauci who said no masks. And I, I gotta, had to fight. I got to say here, I don't, I don't recall you saying we got to wear masks. I don't, you know, that's probably because you're not watching real news, but believe oh. me, I said it, I said it very strongly. Uh, okay. Mr. President. Um, Isn't it exhausting? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like a relentless sparring <laughs> session. <laughs> Aren't <laughs> rounds supposed to be three minutes, not 20? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can't I can realistic. That was so realistic. I can literally feel like there'd be no way out of it with this guy. <laughs> you're just in the corner. You're just... You're, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like every, uh, every boxing video game has that feature where if you throw too many punches, you get tired and you're just standing there. <laughs> it's like that moment. I mean, like, there's no way out of it with this fucking guy. You can't get out of it. <laughs> Man, uh, I need to, what a I terrible need to skill to have. Quickly, sorry. I've got to go, though, because A, the light's gone. B, yeah, no I'm seeing the lights going. Now, we got to bring this one home. We had a I great time with you guys good. today, and it was really good to check in with English Bay, as always, who is <laughs> six, hours, six hours ahead of us. Yep. So five, five, five. Y'all got, so got good lighting. I get to see how badly Trump's going to do tomorrow before you do. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Um, Jail, we're going to do another one if you want to hang in with us. If not, that's fine. Uh, no, I do. I This went longer than I thought. So I, yeah, I yeah, we, we, we did some thank time you. here. Yeah, we're two and a half plus yeah. hours in. Do you want to do a Thursday? You want to make, nah, make this one free? Let's not do it. Let's not do a Thursday. Make them wait impression. Yeah, let's not do a Thursday. I'll have something. We can record something quick tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, I'll have something for my Thursday. Yeah, we'll work it out. I hope you guys in the chat room enjoyed this. They said, Keith said, fuck them freeloaders. Well, you know. (laughs) JL, can the president say something to the freeloaders to get them to come over and maybe join his Patreon thing? Is the thing, okay? They have a thing. It's called Patreon, Okay. And we want people to be sort of Patreon patriots, which means, and I know you probably have very strong sort of African-American support. You're in D.C., which they call Chocolate People City. And so I, I know they may not. I don't think it's called not, that, but okay. Well, they may not be great wealth. We want, you know, we want, we're doing great things for the African-American community, but we know there's, we got to get more wealth. But if you do have wealth, you got to sign up for the bonus. You got to get that bonus content. Okay. It's sort of, we'll look into maybe a tax break. If you, if you do the, you know, if you sign up for a strong Patreon level. There we and go. I, well, and I just need a cut, you know, I get my obviously 40% and then it's, uh, you know, that's fair. So I think good. that's, I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that's fair. 
<laughs> Chris, thanks again oh. for coming in with us. Yeah. Sorry Thank for everyone that I haven't been around. Uh, if you all followed my Instagram before when I was in DC, uh, that's useless now. So follow my new one. Uh, if you like vintage stuff, hit me up. Is it NVL Chris? Give it to him. What is it? NVL Chris, the National Vintage League. NVL Chris. Listen, you got to open door to come on anytime you want. You both do. You know. I'd love to. I'd love to come back. Always got an open door to come on with us. Just let us know. We'll send you the link. We'll send you the link. You've always yeah, next, got an open door. You next just time want you got to... a full battery and you want to sit on the balcony for a while on the Saturday. Yeah, you just want to come in and hang out. You just yeah. want to come in and hang out. JL, you know you're always welcome. Yes, sir. And anytime I have a, uh, a legal question, I'm coming to you. Or if, if I'm reading something that strikes me, I'm coming to you. So, Oh, yeah, I will give you a 68% correct answer every time. <laughs> That's fine, though. That passes, though. That's a passing score. <laughs> That's a passing score. At least it was when I was in school. That's a passing score. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll hey, take Chris, that. Raphael says, do you only sell NFL vintage? For the time being, but hold, watch this space, baby. There you go. NBL building up, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to give too much away, but at the moment, just NFL, but we got plans. There okay. you go. All right. JL, you room. need to follow me back on Twitter, man. I'm one of those 120,000. I've been following you for years. It's just oh, me. nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, is, are you also NVL Chris? No, I'm Chris Milner. I had to pay for that. I had to buy it off a guy that had 214 followers that reviewed trains. I remember that. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of shit. All right, y'all. Thanks so much, chat room, for coming in. We appreciate y'all as always. Uh, anybody else got anything they want to say? No? Can we just wrap it up? Nothing to plug. Yeah, well, there ain't no shows. So follow uh, JL at, on his uh, uh, Pod Saves America. Is it Pod Saves America? I, I wish. I wish I had that following. <laughs> uh, making podcasts great again. Making podcasts great again. Thank you. What if is you Pod just, Saves America? Who's that? Just, like so the speechwriters, the Obama speechwriters. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I would just tell people to go to jlcomedy.com where you have you the go. links to my YouTube channels, Twitter, my two podcasts, right. et cetera. Right. And Chris, get at him at, at NVL, NVL merch? Yeah, NVL Chris on Instagram is my personal and National Vintage League is the, there you go. Is the, the shop. There we go. And you yeah. guys know where we're at, so come on back. We'll be here for you guys as always. Okay, so... JL, I want you to bring this home at the end. I'm going to run through the, we're going to run down the lineup. You bring it home at the end. All right, here we go. All right, so also thanks so much for coming in. And uh, as always, we'll be here for you guys. I'm Randolph Terrence. I'm Andy Klein. Chris Milner. And I'm JL Covan. There we go. We got it. We're four guys on. First try. Over five because we had the president sitting with us. And we are out. <laughs> <laughs>